0: I'm just gonna mash you up some fruit here When you wake up, you're gonna get a kick out of me feeding you like a baby I saw a horse Yeah, that's what happens when you don't sleep
1: we're doing it on horseback here talking season two episode nine what kate did and let me just clarify it's what kate did is what we are talking about here on the lost down the hatch podcast so stop it with anything else that you're thinking about It's what kate did uh mike bloom how's that horse treating you it's pretty
2: good i've fed him some oats from the Dharma Pantry, so I think he's happy. And let me just say, Josh, I am even happier that we are not covering what Evangeline no, Lilly yes, did. No, yes, yes,
1: That's why I said uh, it's what Kate did. Uh, didn't even want to say it in the level of detail that you just did, so what might Listen, did- we're
2: permeating all <laughs> levels of consciousness from our viewers here. The ones that are really tuned into the news and those that are probably going to Google right now being like, wait, what did Evangeline Lily do? And I said, I would just say, like, Maybe save yourself a Google uh, if you if you want to have some relatively positive feelings towards her at the moment. But we disavow of any actions the actress has done of late in this year of ours. Well,
1: just the one that we know about. We don't know. I mean, maybe she made like a really good pizza, and like I don't want to disavow the pizza if she made like a really good pizza at home. Oh, um,
2: uh, you think there's some canned peaches on those? Y- pe- on that you never pizza?
1: know. Well, I, listen, it would have to be a really good pizza if canned peaches uh, uh, were included, and it wasn't a sin. But who knows? We're here to talk about what Kate did, and if it smells like carrots in here, that's uh, because we are feeding our horses as we are galloping along, talking about the horse. The horse is here, and I'm so happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joshua,
2: far from long in the face, uh, talking about the horse. Oh, I cannot believe. Uh, <laughs> Truly, one of the most WTF moments from Lost, but even like more WTF in retrospect because it's one of those rare things that was never elaborated on whatsoever <laughs> there, there are ways to explain it away but we're going to be talking about kate being haunted by a black horse <laughs> it's, it's the sequel to white rabbit josh black yeah. horse this week oh, on down that the would hatch. have been a
1: better name for this episode than what kate did oh my black God. horse and a mango tree uh, just to spoil it the horse of course uh, is of course a, a horse uh and is uh the down the hatch series bible entry subject of the week uh let's just get Straight into it. Uh, one of the series regulars for season two is a black horse named Bernard Nadler. Oh an God. Iowan thoroughbred, Bernard's German trainer was bringing the horse home after a poor run on the Australian racing circuit. Little did the German know that the horse was actually an agent of the Dharma Initiative who had deliberately flunked the racing season to get to the island and discover why communications at the mainland Dharma Hatch, the stable, had been all but absent for decades, quickly abandoning an attempt to blend in with the tail section survivors after realizing Anna Lucia had seen he wasn't wet. Bernard fled into the jungle, but even he could not have anticipated finding an old acquaintance that had also been on 815. Kate Austin, the only living person who that... Uh, that, who knew that it was he and not Kate who had committed murder several years ago? Uh, so that, there you go. Uh, Mr. Nadler. Uh, oh, I love
2: this. So now we have a role for the German. Oh my God. Right? He was the trainer. Does that mean, do you think the others took him to try to? Because we know that the others are in possession of horses, right? That's what in Enter 7 7, we see that uh, Miss Clue rides a horse to get to the flame do you think they needed uh, someone on hand to tend to the animals in
1: dharmaville i think that's a possible explanation for the horse uh i think that that's certainly on board i think the horse may have just been brought there by dharma is a possibility um this is from ben martell the great ben behind the curtain who pulls from an episode of the official lost podcast from season four actually uh where in that episode of the podcast Damon Lindelof uh, and Carlton Cuse characterized characters on the show into different categories, such as alive, dead, apparition, dream, animal, etc. Uh, and this is an extract from this conversation um, with all the actors who are on the show, all of the Oceanic 815ers, 815ers, but then all of the sort of recurrings like Penny Widmore and Charles Widmore. We have their headshots so we can keep track of who we have on the show. They go onto a door that says deceased once they die. That's where we move them to. And then there's the door that says undead. And on the undead door, there's only three pictures. One of them is Christian Shepherd, One of them is Yemi. And the other one is Kate's horse. Just a picture of a horse. So Kate's horse is undead. Uh, So because both Christian and Yemi are confirmed appearances of the smoke monster, Mike, it's generally assumed that the horse is also an appearance of the monster. And I take this as canon, Mike Bloom. Uh, I believe that this is canon, that the monster is the horse. And for whatever reason that we now have to expand upon, we have to decide why the monster has been parading around as a horse Uh, coming to Kate in just this one specific instance? And is it one of the Dharma horses that it's taking over the body of? Is it one of Patchy's uh, horses, one of Mikhail's horses? Is it possible that uh, when uh, the Black Rock washed upon the island uh, with Richard Alpert, famous horseback riding Richard Alpert, uh, that they had some horsies on that uh boat as well and the monster is taking one of those horse forms and has just like been like riding around as a horse and maybe it's just like i don't know they don't have any uh like super fast cars or anything they've got some like junky vans but even then the monster couldn't really ride a car i don't think so is this just like how he gets his kicks he goes around just galloping around the island as a horse every once in a while and he just awkwardly got caught by kate does the monster
2: have to imbue living objects? I think so. Otherwise, couldn't the monster turn into the van and just become, like, Christine? I don't think
1: so. <laughs>
2: Demon van? I, don't know. Uh, I mean, I mean, in that case, yeah, you're right. I mean, the horse literally has more horsepower. You gotta think part of it's a color thing, too, right? I mean, this is the man in black. You look at the horse, who's black, it's like, oh, well, this kind of feels suited for Right. Me. From a certain perspective, does the horse no, guess, can,
1: can the horse change colors like the one at the Emerald City? Oh, in the Wizard of Oz, yeah. ah ha, ha, oh, ho, ho. Uh, Just a <laughs> couple of Trotty Uh I think that that's a great idea. Uh, is that uh, the the smoke monster? Just like every once in a while, like maybe he's the hurly Bird as well, uh, and like he because he's a, a Katie horse. A, does it go like? Kerned? Yeah, the Kate horse, Kate horse uh i love the horse mike this is so stupid what an incredibly stupid thing that's so great uh one of the things that like in the first watch of what kate did realizing that we were spending an entire episode on like the mystery of the horse i think i was like what and also like there's a lot of anticipation in finding out what did kate do this episode's called It's literally the title of the episode is
2: what kate did and then you're like okay I don't, is it, does it something to do with the horse? It turns out that the horse is merely, like, tangential to the entirety of what Kate did. And what Kate did was not, like, go win, you know, the triple crown with this horse right. back in the day. So it seems like a very odd sort of path to go down. I would posit, Josh, this might be the stupidest on-island uh, plot we've seen so far on Oh, uh, but Lost. it's
1: great, and I
2: love but it's, it. But it's 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 fun to talk about, at least, because it just, again, like, even if oh, we're ascribing the smoke monster to it, like, Okay, does that imply that the horse that there was a dead horse on the plane and that the monster took it? Oh
1: my horse? god, yes. Yes. There's I mean, there could be dead horses all over the island. Who knows? Who knows? Plenty of Maybe that's how reasons. they smuggled
2: in the fireworks <laughs> in the carcass of a
1: dead horse. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Nothing to say uh, just a dead horse. Oh my god. Uh but it's it's one of those examples of uh lost meeting you where you are, and where it's currently meeting us is you know, we is uh, it is March 26, 2020, as we are recording this podcast in the early afternoon. Uh, have been observing social distancing and uh, self isolation and all of that Desmond style. Uh, and so I think that like seeing the horse on my TV screen just imbued me with this tremendous sense of uh, amusement this week that uh, I don't know that I've ever quite gotten out of the horse. So if you're on here to like uh, hear us like ding the show for putting a horse on it, you're in for the wrong podcast. I, I stand the horse. Early MVP point that I am awarding to the wow. horse. Wow. Uh, who is actually the smoke monster. So give it, uh, give the smoke monster an early MVP point here in this week's episode of Down the Hatch, which, of course, is a Lost Rewatch podcast filled with spoilers about Lost. Oh, we really put the cart before the yes, horse on that intro. Yes, we did. Uh, so we talk about Lost every single week. Uh, you can get us your feedback down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com, plus the Twitters. I'm at Round Howard. Mike is at a Mike Bloom type, uh, recording a little bit later than we normally do here. Uh, Thursdays may be our spot for the foreseeable future, so it gives you a little extra time to send your feedback in to us. Uh, what Kate Did, Mike, directed by Paul Edwards, written by Stephen Maeda and Craig Wright, originally aired on November 30th, 2005, and uh, not quite 15 full years later. The horse lives on in infamy.
2: <laughs> yeah, and uh, this is what probably, like, right around Thanksgiving, which... What a great family episode, Josh. <laughs> oh, Just no. shock full of goodness. Oh
1: no, no, no. This is a tough episode, obviously. We're we're finding out what Kate did. Uh Kate killed her father, uh, who, you know, for most of her life she thought was like her stepfather, turns out her biological father. Uh turns out like he is an absolute horrible scumbag human being who, uh mm-hmm. spoiler alert number two, I believe Mike and I are in agreement that this man shall get all of the LVP points this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, we will dump them all. Uh, really, Kate lucking out. <laughs> Kate lucking out. No LVP points coming Kate's way this week because uh, Wayne is just uh, absolute trash. Uh, fully, fully, fully horrible human being. Dumpster fire. Quite literally,
2: he gets involved in a fire here. We should also mention before I we move on here that uh, Paul Edwards, the director, was previously, uh, this is his directing debut, not only on Lost, Generally? but in okay, Life. Okay, cool. I suppose. Um, he was previously a cinematographer, a camera operator, but he's going to be doing a lot of stuff for Lost. Uh, he's going to do Two for the Road, Paul Avion, Cabin Fever, uh, The Variable. He's going to follow up what Kate did with What Kate Does, mm-hmm. The Package, What They Die For, and he's the director of The New Man in Charge. Cool. Uh, so he's going to work some more on like Lost adjacent stuff like Fringe and Once Upon a Time and Bates Motel uh, but yeah, this is going to be the the coming out
1: party for Paul Edwards. Uh, don't here, you mean the, the coming out party? <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. They're going to put a, a horse pun in there. Yep. But yeah, who would have thought this guy's whole career starts with a horse? Oh my
1: God. So anyway, we're going to talk a lot about the horse. We're going to talk a lot about what Kate did. All of these things are going to be discussed here on this week's episode of Down the Hatch. Uh and we begin uh as we go forth into the jungle Mike with the assistance of eight sounds. It'll be a minute before we get into the sounds. Uh yeah, I was going to say let's
2: start with the sounds coming from Jin and Sun. Well,
1: tent. we don't know. We don't know uh but we open on a tent uh because of course we open on a tent. Uh and Jin steps out and man, Daniel Dae Kim looking great. Looking
2: fantastic. looking fantastic. I will also say
1: what a freaking weird scene to start this episode on. Lovely scene. He's waking up. It's morning. He comes out. Daniel Dae Kim as Jin Soo Kwan walks out. Sun walks as well. The
2: perfect specimen of health, he, that Daniel Day Kim. He's
1: looking great. He's looking spectacular. Uh, and Sun is with him, and they're hugging it out. And uh, they, they both seem happier than we have ever seen these characters before. It makes me so happy to see Daniel Dae Kim so happy. Certainly in mm-hmm. the role of Lost. He and Hurley give each other or Hurley gives Jin the thumbs up. Jin's gonna give Hurley a thumbs up later <laughs> on in the show. Uh, just a great moment. And it does make you wonder, like, what did Hurley hear? You know? Cause yeah. like Hurley like doesn't just see them, but he's like looking there and he's like, yeah, okay. Uh, so there there's some they're, people they're on they're the in. beach right now who are not thrilled with the noises that were coming from your tent. But me, buddy, I got your back. That was good.
2: I mean, they're all experiencing the moment of conception, right? Like, we assume this is how Gian was conceived. I like to think so.
1: I don't know how the timing uh, works on all of that, but let's just say yes.
2: But it's this is so strange. So, so strange Great. that, like, these are going to be completely sidelined. But it just, I mean, I guess it's a follow up from how things beautifully ended at the last episode, but it's like. Here's Jin and Son after the act. And, oh, Saeed's digging Shannon's grave. Like, even then, it's just a huge amount of whiplash in 30 it's seconds. a lot
1: going on. A lot going on. Uh, but uh, I did not mind seeing this episode this week begin with uh, Jin emerging, picture of health, just a fantastic specimen, and clearly loving life. Uh, and poor Saeed, as you mentioned, not, uh, not really doing great. He's having a hard time sticking a hole in the ground. He's Well, yeah, he doesn't have a shovel. He doesn't have a shovel. He's got, like, a. at least he's not using the hockey sticks. Although maybe in this case, like, that could have been useful.
2: Yeah, I think you want anything that's sort of, like, close to a spade. He's just using a log. And then, of course, one of the best things that Lost does, cutting between scenes using appropriate dialogue, it transitions immediately to Jack's, sorry, man, I know
1: this hurts, which works on so many levels. Uh, Jack is changing Sawyer's bandage at the hatch. Uh, he says, so Michael told me you pulled the bullet out in your bare hand. It's pretty badass. So <laughs> like, you got to show me how to do that sometime. And it's so
2: interesting because throughout this episode, uh, aside from the moment we heard in the intro, which even besides the horse, we're going to have to talk about that because mm-hmm. that's a really interesting moment. But it's always interesting to see like Sawyer is there, but he's not there. Uh, in that he's not particularly conscious, he's still super feverish and in a state of delirium. So when Jack and Kate are speaking with him, it's almost like they're sort of speaking with themselves, like you might to like a coma patient. Uh, and it does serve as sort of an emotional, therapeutic thing, especially from Kate's perspective later on in the episode. But here, uh, I guess Sawyer, uh, Jack is hoping, or maybe he's not hoping that Sawyer's listening, because he doesn't want to get ribbed by him afterwards about Jack actually
1: wanting to learn yeah. something from Sawyer. A uh, lover. And he's like, What? Oliver? Yeah. Uh, Oliver. Oliver. Yeah. Never before has James Ford wanted more. Uh so
2: Sawyer, do you want food? <laughs> Glorious food? I'll feed it to you like a baby.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I love her, man. Mary, man. Yeah. So he's saying, I love her, and we don't know uh, uh, what he's saying at first, and then he says it more clearly, and Jack's like, hmm. Okay. Well... Maybe I should just put this pillow right over Sawyer's
2: (laughs) face. Change your own bandage now, hot lover boy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, But, you know, this is not the the most awkward thing that's going to happen with Jack. Uh, and and
2: this is a weird episode yeah. for Jack, Jack too. Jack. Like
1: people are declaring love for
2: each other. Kate just kisses him in the middle of the jungle. This is strange
1: stuff going on here. I had so much fun with this one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> let's just pause down really quickly to say like I had so much more fun with what Kate did than I thought that I would. Uh, like I was kind of walking there's into so this being much. like, uh, we gotta talk about this one. But uh,
3: I actually. <laughs>
2: pretty good there's there's a lot of malarkey going on in this episode and malarkey makes for some of the best podcasting so this is one of those episodes that i was like thrilled to just like digest
1: with yeah, you. yeah uh so speaking of digestion uh kate is off at her favorite fruit tree getting fruit for the digestive tracks i'm glad she's climbing that tree you know i, I think
2: she was initially uh, you know, uh, disincentivized from doing it after Saeed yelled at her for dropping the the radio right, right, out of the right. tree. But like, she's back to her old habits. Well, again. She, she, I think she
1: climbed this tree, in whatever the case may be, as well. If I'm remembering right, uh, uh right to get the jump on. Yeah, Sawyer. this is her fruit tree. This is her spot. Uh, doesn't even need a spy ladder to to get to the top. Um, but she drops some fruit. She nearly falls. Oh, man, imagine Michael Dawson being on a tribe with <laughs> <one person reacting laughs> that'd, be great, that'd be great. That'd be great. Uh, she nearly falls off the tree, she drops some fruit, and then when she gets down to the base of the tree, <laughs> there he is! That damn horse is just standing. That goddamn
2: there. horse. <laughs> and then the horse is like, oh no, I've been found out. Better get out of here. What is
1: there? What is this horse doing here? <laughs> it's a horse. horse! Why is there just a horse here all of a sudden? But suddenly there's a horse there, and Kate is like, Uh, (laughs) what? Uh, The horse is equally like, oh, shit, she found me. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, my plan of staying in plain sight. She thought through it. I really like to think that, like, the monster is the horse for sure. And the monster, the monster has to stay entertained. The monster's on lockdown, too. The monster's not allowed to leave the island. After, like, centuries and centuries of being on this Frickin' island with nothing to do. And now, like, after, like, the last, like, let's say, like, you know, 100-something years, uh, when when Richard Alpert's people bring horses to the island, he's like, oh, my God, I can be a horse? It must be so fun. And this is, like, his thing. This is just the monster's thing. This is the man in black's thing. He gets to run around as a horse. This is how he blows off some steam without actually destroying, you know, people in the island. Like, it's just really fun to gallop around. And he he doesn't want anyone else to know about it. And here's Kate just staring at him. He's like, ah, crap! She sees me! Ah, man! And so he's going to just keep trying to hide throughout the episode, but she's going to keep finding him.
2: Well, I actually do think this is a spiritual successor to White Rabbit in a number of ways. I feel like the way that Kate is going to approach the horse, not literally approach the horse, she'll do that later in the episode, but come to terms with it psychologically is her saying, like, I've grown delirious. I haven't been sleeping a lot. That's very similar to Jack being like I'm haunted by my father, you know, I I I'm just breaking down mentally. Right. And I do think to we sort of talked about this during White Rabbit that the smoke monster might have been filling a purpose in uh filling Christian Shepard's lack of shoes to, you know, taunt Jack almost to make him feel like he's going crazy so that a candidate would break down. I would not be surprised if he's doing the same thing here with yeah, me. Yeah, it's
1: certainly certainly possible. Um, All right. Well, there's the horse. (laughs) The horse rides away and Kate's pretty freaked out by it. And uh, we go from there and we trigger our first flashback of the episode of what Kate did. And the episode does not make us wait long to find out uh, the answer to that question, even if the show has made us wait a pretty long time. Um, Let's listen in. Kate's going to we're going to we're going to hear Kate with uh, with her father, Wayne. That's going to lead us into everything going on here. Hey, girl, what are you doing here?
3: Eat it. All right,
0: right. let's get you to bed. What the hell is that smell? Probably your breath. sure right? Come on. Mm. Wow. Mm. You're beautiful.
3: Hey. Hey. Just gave you a compliment.
0: Yeah, I heard you.
3: Gonna take my pants off first?
1: Mercifully, you uh, removed the explosion uh, from our yeah. ear holes, but that's what happens Didn't next.
2: Bl- <laughs> yeah, it's this weird thing where she walks over to a hog, a nice little bike. She sort of gives, like, a, a distant look. I wonder if it's her sort of, like, emotionally reconciling what she's about to do, if it's her being like, okay, I'm so glad I did this. She drives away. She's a, she's a you know, badass. She does not look at explosions. Like a cool guy. The one that she caused. Yep. But before we get into the weight of it all, Josh, I just want to say, I love the flashbacks this episode i i don't know what i was thinking back in tabula rasa when i thought that was the best you know kate flashback episode because i think far and away the flashbacks from what kate did are super good spoiler alert for the sounds uh half of them are going to be from the flashback because what the flashback does super interestingly is all it is it's, it's a bunch of two-person scenes but it's two-person scenes with kate and members of her family slash really important relationship she has in her life. Obviously, we just got to the one with Wayne. She'll have one with Diane. She'll have one with Sam Austin. She'll have one with Mars, the mars I I think it's just a great way to sort of get a sense as to who she really is and, you know, the what people sort of made her who she is, specifically from a familial perspective, that we haven't really gotten before. And it really is something that, in retrospect, I'm like, oh, could could this have been the Tabula Rasa flashback? I know that there's the mystery of what Kate did was hanging over our heads for quite some time, but... I think this is just such a powerhouse set of flashbacks that I would have loved to see this sort of establish the character.
1: I have no problem with, uh, with Tabula Rasa and everything that goes on there being our, you know, second episode of Lost and our first full, uh, character-centric flashback. I think to build out some mystery with Kate, uh, nothing, nothing bad about that in, in my book, but then we get the two flashbacks from there that are kind of in, in one case, literally in whatever the case may be, uh, just one of my least favorite episodes ever and in Born to Run. Uh, you know, a deck setter, uh, I think that we did our best to rehabilitate its image when we talked about it. Uh, but ultimately, is it, you know, a fairly skippable episode of the show? Probably um, here, like now you're getting the real stuff. Uh, I, I don't mind that it took a while. Uh, like, I don't mind that the show took its time telling us what Kate did. Uh, I think maybe they could have told us a little bit sooner. But one thing that I greatly appreciate about this episode is it wastes very little time. Telling Mm -hmm. you what Kate did. Uh, And I think like you can, I think the rest of the episode is going to uh, further illuminate why Wayne is such a bad guy. Um, But you get it (laughs) in the first scene. I think you get it. I think you get it. I think you get why this guy is a royal piece of shit. Uh, Just like super, super scumbag. Um, And we are not endorsing murder on this podcast. That is not something that we are doing here on Down the Hatch. But do we you know, feel awful for Wayne? I would say probably not. I would say we probably don't yeah, well, feel it's... awful for Wayne getting, you know, blown to bits here. I think that that's, you know, probably not the thing that we feel the worst about as far as deaths are concerned on Lost.
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely compared to some of the other people who have died. I think that, you know, in this one scene, you sort of get an encapsulation of what a usual night between Cade and Wayne is like. You can imagine that Wayne is the type of person to come home drunk and make, like, Kate's gonna rebuff Mars later when he accuses her of uh way of making uh, approaches on her, but y- you have a feeling like, if anything, he's just making very creepy comments to her. He forcefully grabs her at one point. What I really like about this scene, too, is that when you know what the explosion is, and when it's coming... You see a lot of fun little foreshadowing moments. Obviously, Kate's sitting outside to greet Wayne, her flicking the lighter. Obviously, she doesn't want to go inside because as Wayne detects, the place reeks of gas because Kate has filled that house with noxious fumes at that point. Her insistence to get him into bed as well. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I wonder if, do you think that Kate, maybe in a different sense, had she thought this through more, like, would have... Try to do more things to make it look like some sort of accident or do you think sort of like in for a penny in for a pound I know I'm going to get the blame for this so let me just go ahead
1: with well that. my answer to that would be let's go to the next scene which I know you pulled the sound on as well because I think that that gives you your answer this is going to be Kate and uh, her mom uh, and they're going to sit down at the diner and uh, they're going to talk through basically what just happened
3: coffee pie both
0: I oh, want a beer like to see some ID? I'm 24 month. You want to ride around on that death trap of yours without a helmet? I'm not going to help your cause by getting you drunk. Yes, How's that wrist?
3: What, this? Now that shelf in the kitchen sticks out sometimes. Think I'd remember it was there,
0: but I banged it. Don't.
3: I made my bed, Catherine.
0: Well, your bed's gone, Ma. What? What is this? An insurance policy for the house. What? I never. I took it out in your name. What did you do? Does Wayne know about this? Just remember that you were here and you didn't see me, okay? Catherine! What did you do? I took care of you, Mom. I gotta go. You're not gonna see me for a while.
2: Just use your magic
1: powers <laughs> to find out what Kate did. That's right. Uh where's the cat?
2: What's the name of the cat again?
1: Salem. I like Salem.
2: And then speaking of other black
1: animals <laughs> that show up in yeah, the big time. More more magical animals. Uh, so yeah, so I would say that based on that, Kate's like, I gotta cheese it, Mom. <laughs> I gotta get out of here. I killed a man. Uh I think that, you know. The fact that she's going to run away, she's going to get caught by the marshal, she knows that uh, things are not going to be looking good for her if she sticks around. Uh, so the fact that her plan is to is to cut and run, um, I think she knows that uh, this is not something she's going to be able to frame as an accident.
2: Mm, I think... <laughs> the, I made my bed, Catherine, well, your bed's gone, Ma, might be one of the best burns I've heard, pun unintended, in quite some time yeah. on loss so Of like, well, joke's on you, because you don't have a bed
1: anymore, because I, I killed br- your husband. And your, bur- and your bed is destroyed, I literally burned it.
2: Yeah, uh, and I really like the last line of this scene, the, I took care of you, Ma, because this is sort of a connecting theme across characters, right? Like, we find this out about Jin, we find this out to a certain extent with a character like Saeed, the lengths will go to to protect the people that you care about and feel like you must take care of. And when the case of you know someone like Jin, he is someone who is really trying to avoid going down that extremely dark path if he can help it. But knowing that it's to support his wife and ultimately you know yearn for their freedom, uh, he does go down that path. And Kate does that to a certain extent. There's a little less, I think, moral weighing. Uh, from what we see, than with Jin, But there is a a theme, I think, about, you know, not necessarily being someone's caretaker, but when you know that someone you love is in a bad situation, how far are you willing to go to get that Klondike bar?
1: Uh, The dynamic between Kate and her mother just makes me so sad, but I I think it's one of uh, the underrated relationships on the show. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I love how Diane always calls her Catherine. I know, especially compared to, we're going to get to Sam
2: Austin later when he calls her Katie. I think it's like a really telling microcosm into just the way that each of those parents regards their daughter. It's just
1: kind of, yeah, it's just, it's really personal. Something so simple as that detail, I think, is a very personal detail that that I appreciate quite a bit. Um I like that I like that scene quite a lot and I, it makes me feel awful for Diane uh makes me feel awful for anybody who's ever been in that position is in that position uh as Diane is and and the way that she talks about Wayne uh from just like years of sustained abuse uh mm-hmm. is just it's so sad uh it's really 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 sad uh and like is it great that she calls the police on Kate eventually that stinks it's not fun. It's obviously going to put a big strain on their relationship, ultimately. But I think it comes from like a very deep seated place of hurt and victimization that uh, even after Wayne is gone, like she can't even uh, fully shake. Um, so you know, I think I think right. I think that the the show frames it in a way that's pretty, if not relatable, certainly I think in a way that like really gins up your empathy engine. Uh, for her, well,
2: yeah, and and we'll put a pin in that and get to it in Left Behind because I think that sort of helps contextualize things a bit more. Where Diane is essentially going to confirm the thinking that Kate's going to express later on in this episode of "You didn't kill Wayne for me, you killed Wayne for you." And therefore, like, I'm seeing through your BS of you ridding the world of this abuser. This is a man that I love. So, yeah, I completely understand that. Also, I, I can't remember if any of the Diane Jansen future appearances, if uh, her southern drawl appears as well. But it was very noticeable yeah, in this episode. I don't
1: remember. Um, Back on the island, Kate's going to head to the hatch. Uh, She wants to hang out with Sawyer. Uh, Shannon's funeral is happening in a few minutes. And Jack's like, oh, you got to go. You're going to miss the funeral. And she's like, no, nah, you should go. Uh, and she's probably right that he's got to be at the funeral. I don't think that's really a skippable event for Jack. Yeah,
2: he's he's the leader. He can't necessarily give excuses as to why he didn't show up for the funeral of you know someone who got shot. Like no
1: one likes Sawyer enough
2: that he's like I was with
1: Sawyer. Like everyone's like who cares? You know. Yeah,
2: though I guess he does have an out being the doctor, right? Being like I had a medical thing to attend right, to. Right,
1: right, right. But uh, he is. He this is why it sucks to be both the uh, president of the island and uh, chief medical officer as well. Uh it's probably why you should only have one of the two jobs. Jack should probably just be the doctor. Yeah. Well, listen, he's got a lot of hats to wear and his head's starting to get sweaty. Uh so he's like, "All right, I'm going to go uh you stick around, mash up some of that fruit, get him to eat it. Baby bird it to him, baby if, you bird it to. him if you have
2: to." Oh wait, don't. No,
1: he said he loved oh, her. Damn damn it. Oh, damn it. Oh, I shouldn't have told her to baby bird it. <laughs> uh <laughs> No, diamond Jack. Uh back on the beach, uh Anna is uh knocking a stake into the ground. I think early stages of her setting up her tent. Uh,
2: i i i kind of wish i know that again we got this flash forward to post coitus quans but i kind of wish that we had seen the immediate aftermath of that really epic two shot that ended collision not because i i need to necessarily see ann get convinced to br- get brought back but i would have loved to see her and jack you know meeting again and also having a discussion having go through in such profoundly different experiences i know we'll get a bit of it here at the end but that's just one of those uh Forgotten conversations from Lost that I would have
1: loved to be a fly on the tree with. Uh, Yeah, that would have been fun. That would have been fun. I wonder, Mike, uh, is it possible that Anna is not setting up stakes for a tent, but is in fact setting up a force field of stakes? Uh, because the last time she had a stake nearby, she was able to protect herself from another, other. Uh, and so mm. she's just going to sleep in the middle of a circle made of sticks in case anyone leaps at her. Uh, she'll be able. Yes, to I like that.
2: Like at any to... point in time, she could just pull a pointy yeah. stick out of the ground. Maybe she has a running theory that the others are vampires. It's possible.
1: It's possible. Uh, Ana Lucia, vampire slayer. Uh, I mean, I could see that she killed Shannon, uh, and I guess no blood relation to Boone, so that means she got the wrong sibling as far as vampires. Yeah,
2: I, I will say that I think if we're looking at famous vampire hunters, I think that Michelle Rodriguez is. Less uh, Sarah Michelle Geller as Buffy Summers and more Kate Beckinsale from the from the Underworld. I'm series. into
1: it though. I'm into it. I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be fun. Uh, here's something that is not fun: uh, Shannon's funeral, uh, and everyone shows up. Oh, well, and uh, including I don't know if you noticed this,
2: Josh. There is a Boone-like gawker who is sort of in the back. That was like, oh, did Boone sh- <laughs> did Boone pull a, a Tom Sawyer and attend his own funeral? Or the
1: monster is showing up as Boone. Oh, that's such a dick move Taking a break from the horseplay Saeed's gonna give a speech It's not gonna be quite as eloquent as the one He gave at Boone's funeral Uh, Hard to ask the man to give Two great funeral speeches uh, In a row when it's been what Like a week, week and a half or so Uh, Let's listen in and hear what he has to say
0: Shannon and I were strangers We never would have met if We wouldn't even have spoken if.
3: But we did meet.
0: And we did speak. At least. I've. She rest in peace.
1: Uh, I should note that um John Locke cannot bury Shannon fast enough. Uh he is the second one up to after after Jack to toss dirt on Shannon. He's like, let me just really make sure that she's dead.
2: Yeah, well, at least he's not going to sit down next to somebody with a bloody shirt on after he's being like, hey, I know that I'm sorry for what happened to you. <laughs> By the way, here's Shannon's blood on my shirt. <laughs> oh. I actually think there's, there's a really nice touch, speaking of our other 815, uh, Son brings some flowers, assumingly from the garden, to put onto Shannon's grave, which I think is a really nice touch. Also, it's good that Jack came. I don't know if anybody else could be a, 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 a more awkward funeral closer, then Jack coming to be like, oh, shit, I guess got to pinch hit this one since so Saeed walked away mid-eulogy.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know who's, uh, who's stepping rest up. Rest soul. Who's stepping up in that moment. Maybe Claire. Maybe Claire would have been able to handle it. Um, but Jack's the one who's going to do it. Uh, we do know Jack doesn't like this kind of thing, so maybe that was another reason why uh, he would have wanted to skip the funeral. Uh, he did skip the mm, the big uh, the funeral pyre back in the day. Saeed. I, I hate when Saeed is sad. I hate sad Saeed as well, but... Uh, everyone's crazy about a sharp-dressed Saeed, and here he is with, like... I know! A, Look at him in his polo. He looks great. He looks great. I... Uh, where did he get it? I'm assuming off of, uh, in somebody's luggage. Yeah. Where did he get it from? I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't remember ever seeing him wear that before. I don't ever remember seeing him wear it again. It's, like, this is, like, his formal occasion wear. This is formal attire on the other. Yeah, way.
2: and his hair's pulled back, too. Like, he... You could tell that, like, this means a lot to him, because this is both the most solemn and the most, I would say, sobering he has been this entire time on the island. And I feel like it's also a side of Saeed that he doesn't show everybody. Like, he'll show Shannon, but he usually is that sort of, like, brainy guy that everyone can rely on to to think through their problems. I don't think they necessarily expected this side of him to come out. And it's even more poignant that, you know, Saeed, to that point, is at a loss for words. He can't even mention, like, the plane crash. He just trails off. He, he can't even speak about it because it is such a tragedy, but at the same time, it's this beautifully tragic event that brought them together but then ended up separating them at the end of the day. It's
1: very sad. Uh, should note that Locke is at least not wearing uh, anybody's blood on his shirt. It's just a new green shirt that he's got rocking right now. Yeah, not yet at least. Uh, he didn't, like, sneak over to Shannon's body before they buried her. He's like, let me just get some of that blood. Put it on my shirt. <laughs> Got to keep tradition exactly. alive.
2: Yeah, exactly. Got to keep the streak going. <laughs> um, all
1: right, back of the hatch. It's the scene that we heard at the top of the podcast. Walking after midnight's playing. Kate's mashing up that fruit. She's like, "You're not. Na- you're never gonna believe this, but I saw a horse. It was really crazy." Uh, and then Sawyer's uh, channeling uh, his a uh, Lil Wayne. You know, not a lot of Wayne, a little Wayne. <laughs> Lil Wayne? Just Lil Wayne. <laughs>
2: He's channeling Lil Wayne. Lil wow. Wayne. Just
1: Lil Wayne. Uh, he says, you killed me. Why did I'll you buy you a me? drink. Why did you kill me? As he grabs her by the throat and it's like, oh God, cut to commercial. This is too scary. All right. Let's talk about this. I don't have I a think... good explanation for this one. So you'll have to. I, yeah, I,
2: I have on. a couple of thoughts here and let's sort of uh, put it on the gauge here as to plausible to just completely unlikely. So I'm going to sort of cop a theory that someone had made back when we started seeing Walt apparitions about maybe he died during a portion of the other testing, and in that period of time, the smoke monster was able to copy him. Maybe Sawyer died in the jungle at some point before being resuscitated in the hatch, and the smoke monster was able to possess him at that point in time. My personal theory is that I think this is a hallucination, personally. Uh, I think that even though we're going to find Sawyer on the ground later, we don't see exactly what happens in the immediate aftermath after this scene. I think there's a non-zero chance that, as Kate talks about, this actually is due to her heightened paranoia and sleeplessness, especially from seeing that horse that she is imagining something so vividly that it causes her to essentially, like, wrestle Sawyer onto the floor.
1: Why can't it be that Sawyer is in the throes of some delusion as well from all of the 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 injury he has sustained here uh and in the thick of like bullet induced fever he's having like some sort of like horrible nightmare that he's lashing out at her on I mean of course he is uh he has a history of violence he has a history of being around uh some scary things He also has a history on the island of thinking that he's being haunted by boars uh, and dead people. So maybe we just don't have his perspective where he's like, Mm. you know, thinking what maybe he thinks he's like putting his hand around like Frank Duckett or something.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say, or he could be Frank Duckett in the dream and he's like choking himself. Or maybe it's uh, Anthony Cooper, nay, Tom Sawyer that he's trying to, to find in his dreams as well. Maybe it's another boar. I think that's a good point as well, that maybe, you know, Sawyer doesn't necessarily say, Kate, Austin, why did you kill me? It's me, your father, Wayne. It's me,
1: Wayne. Just a little Wayne, but it is me, Wayne.
2: Yeah, so so maybe to your point, he this was sort of something that he experienced in his own fever dream, but Kate sort of mistook as someone possessing Sawyer
1: in that moment. Uh, when we come back from commercial, Jack and Locke show up at the hatch, alarms going ballistic uh Locke is going to be able to push the number with uh some time to spare not a lot. Uh um, Well,
2: no actually I mean we haven't gone to the hieroglyphics yet, but I believe he he makes it stop on literally 000, zero, zero. but also he nearly does what he did in orientation and for and put in the wrong number. Ah, uh,
1: oh John. Numbers are not his thing.
2: Yeah, maybe he had the the shaky hands after the the funeral. I think some Shannon blood would have really imbued him with the spirit with the to power. type those numbers yeah. without stopping. Yeah. So
1: Jack's going to fix up Sawyer. Locke's going to fix up the computer. And everyone's like, where the hell is Kate? Well, Kate's in the jungle. And apparently she's hanging out with Charlie. Uh, Charlie is here. Uh, and he says, oh, yeah, you missed the funeral. Uh, there's some new people there. Some of the new people there. Anna was not. That would have been awkward. Uh, He says, it looks like they had a pretty hard time. Looks pretty uh, bloody Lord of the Flies over there. And Katie immediately goes, hey, do you think there's horses here?
2: (laughs) I mean, imagine, like, I guess he has seen polar bears and he's seen a monster. But imagine somebody approaching you and being like, "Uh, Josh, you seen a horse recently? I I can't imagine, like, the top five responses anyone would have, considering that a horse is such a random subject. I know polar bears are even weirder, but a horse what a question to ask somebody as a non-sequitur. Uh,
1: I also just love how it's like, well, I've seen polar bears. I've heard monsters. But horses? Nah. No way. I'll I draw the line at horses. No way. There's no horses here. No way. Polar bears? Now, that's one thing. Monsters? Sure. Makes sense. A horse? Come on. Get out of here yeah, that.
2: Yeah, listen. You're,
1: you're crazy talk here, okay? You're crazy. If there were any horses, the monster would eat them, obviously. Uh, flashback time. We don't have the sound on this. We'll, we'll hear from him in a little bit. Uh, but this is Kate. She's trying to book a trip to Tallahassee of all places, Mike.
2: Yeah, I, I guess, I mean, I don't know how Sam Austin fl- found himself in Florida,
1: but good luck, man. Uh, well, that's where she's trying to go. She wants to go to Tallahassee. She wants to meet a man from Tallahassee. Uh, and here's Edward Mars. Who at first is like, oh, Tallahassee, Yeah, I was there one time and then all this stuff. And Kate's like, could you shut up, man? Like, I don't yeah. want to talk. It's
2: like, can people just stop perving on me for like a 24 hour period, please? I, I don't know
1: why Mars has to do it like this. Uh, like his whole setup, I think, like, he's the kind of guy that thinks he's, you know, he's a lot funnier than he is, sort of like you and me. Uh, mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah, very relatable. <laughs> uh, but he's going to, he's going to arrest her. So this is the first uh, Kate Austin arrest, as far as we know. Uh, She could have been arrested as a young child shoplifting if not for the intervention of one Jacob E. Islander, uh, Mm. I
2: believe. Well, to that point, Josh, because again, I love these flashbacks so much. And we'll get later on Mar sort of describing what Kate was before this incident. Do you wish in retrospect that one of these myriad flashback episodes in the next couple seasons, we actually moved more backward in time to see like what a young Kate was Her relationships with Diane and Wayne back then? Or do you feel like this is fine being the first point chronologically for Kate Austin? Save that
1: lunchbox. I I think it's probably okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know what more I would have needed from Kate's childhood. Um, Other than like it could have been interesting maybe to see like more of her and Jacob hanging out could have been fascinating uh, because he Mm. comes to her from a young age. Um, But I don't know. I don't know. Uh and obviously speaking of which, uh, you know, Kate's a candidate. She gets crossed off because, uh, oh, you became a parent. I didn't think that you'd want it, but it's just a number. Job's yours if you still want it. That's what he's gonna say to her towards the end of the show. So Kate's a candidate at this point. Um, so maybe Monster Man, uh Man in Black is turning into a horse to to lead Kate off a cliff. Like, is that cheating does that count Uh,
2: uh, you can lead a kate to a cliff but you can't make make her jump jump, but maybe you
1: can uh you can convince her that it might not be the worst idea so maybe that's part of what's going on here and monster did have uh, an opportunity or two to scan kate earlier in the series uh so who knows who knows but
2: kate is uh super paranoid at this moment understandably so because there are some not so surreptitious guys just like staring at her in the bus station and it turns out that, hey, those are cops, and Kate does try to valiantly get away. She lands a nice punch on Mars, but Mars proves to be sort of like Team 1000 Relentless, as we'll see from the very, very many times we'll see him over the course of this series. And she is arrested. She is in the cuffs. Yeah,
1: he says, your mama gave you up, Kate. It's Diane's fault. Diane I mean, did it.
2: Yeah, I, As I, again, as you said before, like, Mars just has a very unnecessary way. Maybe he feels like he's trying to be, like, the tough street cop in the way he's dealing with these crooks. But I guess since we, we have a certain amount of sympathy towards Kate, it feels rather pithy and unnecessary coming from him.
1: Uh, back at the beach on the island, Charlie's playing guitar. He got from, like, his Kate walk back to the beach to play guitar pretty quickly, it seems. Uh, Jack shows up. He's like, where's Kate? He's like, oh, she's talking about horses in the jungle. She's on the path to the caves. She's uh, acting balmy. Balmy. We're so close to seeing the caves again, but we don't see him. I know, just like, oh, the caves? Great! I just need, like, an exterior shot of the caves! Please, don't make me wait four more seasons! Uh, at the hatch! Uh, hallelujah! Jin's, Jin's cufflinks are coming off, finally.
2: Yeah, it took more than a season. We, they, it went on in season one, episode six, and now in season two, episode nine, a uh, rip handcuff.
1: Again, just great to see Daniel Day Kim as Jin Kwan, feeling free, feeling good, feeling liberated uh he's got the handcuff off uh michael says you look good man and that's the last we see of gin in this episode but man it's a great dose of gin that we get this week
2: and i can imagine after the handcuff came out him and son might have gone to knock some boots afterwards yeah.
1: he's like hey i've got this handcuff now if you want to uh anyway yeah. uh michael's gonna tell lock like, so what's up with the blast doors knock's like a what
2: uh, oh you know these things that can come down on your leg real hard yeah real hard uh this thing that something that someone might paint on the back of a door using
1: bleach yeah something to consider for future future use uh and so he he's gonna find out well there's a movie that might explain all of this if you if you want some further explanations uh do you want to watch him i was like uh sure and i was like me too and everyone looks at yeah. they're like oh you're here that's terrifying huh? I would like to be a third wheel. Yeah, it's very sneaky. Uh Mr. Echo showing up. Uh the more the merrier. So here's Mr. Echo. Uh he's gonna be hanging out. Uh in the jungle, time for some smoochaboochies. Uh <laughs> Jack and Kate, it's fate. Let's uh you got the sound on this one? How do you, you want to set this up at all? Uh I mean it's gonna be literally the
2: entire scene, kiss included. Right, so e- Eagle eared listeners might hear some spare lip smoke oh, in
1: the jungle. All right, here we go.
0: Kate, what the hell are you doing out here? What happened in the hash, Kate? Why'd you leave? I come back, I find Sawyer just lying on the ground. You just took off. Is he okay? Yes, Kate. He's fine. I'm sorry. Are you? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I am not as perfect as you. I'm sorry that I'm not as What's good.
3: What's going on with you?
0: Just forget it.
3: No, don't look Let away me. No,
0: just... Don't! It's okay. It's
1: okay. Hey. It's please, this place is very squeaky. It's just... I can't. It's driving
0: me nuts. I
3: know. It's okay. It's all right. Sorry. <laughs> All right
2: That was awesome. Let's keep doing it. Come on. Oh my god. Okay, so there's a lot of sympathy I have towards Kate in certain respects of this episode, but she comes off as completely manic in this scene. Again, there's a foundation behind it, but between like her screaming at Jack, then crying into his arms, then making out with him and then running away, it just is a roller coaster of emotions all in the course of 2 minutes.
1: I think that this is uh, 3 minutes coming up later this season. Uh I think that this is One of the reasons why, and again, I know that apparently this was a controversial take. uh, I really hate this theme song. Uh, I really like. Mm. I, I think. I think it. It. I. It really changes the tone of this of this scene, and especially like with where we're gonna go with Kate and Jack. Ultimately, we're supposed to believe that like they fall for each other and everything, right? Like this is their first kiss, and it has sort of like this horror movie connotation to it. It's just like so. So utterly bizarre to me, like tonally, this is just such a, such a strange scene for something that's like pretty long awaited between these two characters. And this is the way they do it. And it does kind of feel like a network note of like, you gotta make them kiss. You made the other two kiss in the first season, and now they gotta kiss. You gotta keep these people on the hook for more of the making out and for the making out crowd. We got to do it. Exactly.
2: You got to satisfy the will they, won't they of it all. But this scene has literally both sides. So it's just, it's just,
1: it's like you talked about whiplash before. Like, I think that there's a lot of tonal whiplash in here that I, I put a lot less blame on Kate and a lot more blame on like some really wobbly uh production on it like you know it's 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 filmed in a way that like you can't tell if like you're supposed to be into this or not into this they also they also linger you tell you you heard from that clip that
2: they have a long time of them kissing i'd say a good like 20 seconds is them just kissing i don't know if she's thinking at that point like Gotta get out. I don't know what either character is thinking, but they really spend a lot of time marinating that moment.
1: So it's just strange. And I I think I think that this is this is the big miss of the episode for me by far. Uh, It's it's uh, it's it's really sad that they they screwed this up as far as I'm concerned is like first contact. (laughs) <laughs> between Jack and Kate in this way, uh, considering where the story is supposed to go between the two of them. Uh, I just don't think that they did a good job at all. It never sat well with me. Uh, no, no watch through has ever changed my mind on it. I would be really curious to get people's take uh, if mm. the, if the Jack and Kate scene uh, plays well for them, even if it's for like a, it's supposed to be uncomfortable. Uh, Cause I don't, I don't know. Like, is that what they really wanted? I don't know. Cause there's a weird moment where,
2: He, like, forcefully grabs Kate and wraps her up into an embrace. and I mean, it it turns out that she breaks down into his arms, but, like, I mean, considering we just saw Kate get, like, a little physically assaulted earlier on this episode, it was bringing back weird flashbacks for me. I, I would argue, personally, I wonder if you stop the scene after she cries into his arms if it plays a lot better. Essentially, if we don't have the kiss. If it's more so Kate... Having her mental breakdown, being furious at Jack, this really interesting moment of her saying, I'm sorry that I'm not as perfect as you. I'm sorry I'm not as good. I feel like that speaks to, like, some very big issues that have been bubbling under the surface as to how Kate feels about Jack and the role that he plays and the way he views her. And then, you know, she she has this big breakdown in his arms. I wonder if stopping the scene there and cutting to commercial might be a better way to sort of tie things up with a bow than, frankly, untie the entire shoe. With the kiss and then her just running away. Yeah,
1: it just I, it just plays very strangely to me. It never has played well. Uh, defenders of the scene, sound off. We will we will get into it next week if you've got anything. Uh, well, we'll see if we got anything in the feedback section later today. Uh, in the hatch, uh, Doctor Candle just hanging out on the tape. Michael Necco, they're watching the tape. Locke's watching them i think like th- this is like one of those things where it's like uh uh you know that malcolm's getting voted out of survivor game changers cuz you already <laughs> saw the episode and you can film the audience's reaction to malcolm getting voted out so
2: which what am i michael or echo in this well instance? you're michael
1: you know so i would say that you are michael
2: yeah, I guess I guess that does. Though Michael is not like clapping and pointing and laughing at Marvin Candle. Mm-mm. So it's not a one for one comparison. <laughs> but I understand it. It's also uh I and maybe locks looking at him like, huh. This could be an interesting thing watching these guys in this hatch. Yeah, I
1: wonder if they got a thing for that. Echo is like the guy who is like brutalized by the blind side, whereas Michael—he's
2: yeah, no, he's, Echo's Jordan Paul.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you're you're Michael. Uh, feels appropriate. Uh, yeah,
2: and I, I really interesting camera work. Here yes, where and maybe this is because you have a camera operator as your director, but as Locke and Michael, Locke is sort of explaining his you know his four shift rotation. Uh, you just have the camera just tighten in on Echo because you could see the gears in his head turning. He's putting two and two together. He's coming up with a with an applicable Bible story that he can use to tell Locke later on. But you can tell this movie has monumentally affected him more than it did Michael.
1: Uh, yeah, like, but he like he's in signature Echo fashion. Like when Locke is like asking him, like, so what do you think? Echo has nothing to say. He's like, I need yeah. I need to take a pause. Uh, so he's gonna walk away. It's very awkward, but it's it's done well. And I like Michael
2: says, uh, what about all the missing pieces? Michael, hold your horses yeah. that comes after season three. Hey,
1: horses. Uh, we'll be there. We'll be there uh, to, to account for the horses and all of it uh, fairly soon. Uh, Kate is at the graveyard. Uh, she's hanging out. Said shows up. Just a couple- P- Poor Saeed. Again, in like the past three days, he's had to visit someone twice hanging out at someone
2: else's grave. Yeah,
1: just a couple of MVP frequenters uh, lurking around the graveyard here. And Said puts a necklace on Shannon's grave. Uh, I feel like they need to uh, do. That's got to be put on there a little more sturdily.
2: Mm, yeah, and as Lucia, get your stake, yeah. nail this thing down. Nah, He's
1: not talking to Anna yet, uh, but like they really want to think about uh, with, the, with the winds on the beach. I feel like that that necklace is just gonna blow right off. Um, but Kate's gonna apologize. Like I, I wasn't here. I was too busy going crazy looking at horses and stuff. Uh, he asked. She asks Saeed, "Do you believe in ghosts?" And we said that we never thought uh, Saeed like admitted to seeing Ghost Walt, but he he says so. I saw Walt. <laughs> like, I, does that make me crazy? I mean, I, if that probably yeah. to quote Narles Barkley, you know that was not cool. Uh, I saw Walt in the Jungle. Uh, he's still wearing the shirt, by the way. I love this look on Saeed.
3: Yeah,
2: it's it's a good it's a good look, but yeah, it's an interesting moment, not just between two MVP characters, but like Kate is very much not the character that we're used to. Even when she was being, you know, outed as a criminal or she was trying to evade the eye of the law on the island, she still had an exterior of being really calm, cool, and collected, right? And I guess that comes from years upon years of being on the run. When Saeed finds her, like, her hands are shaking, she's really come to pieces. And it's a very interesting point that Saeed finds her. It's actually a very similar comparison between the two, where Saeed had a very vulnerable moment before at the eulogy, and here Kate is in an extremely vulnerable moment. Maybe it's just this place of Shannon's grave that really brings your heart to the surface, no matter who you may be.
1: All right, Kate flashback. Uh, she's going to be in the car with uh, Mr. Maaz. Um, let's listen in.
0: Why now.
3: What? Nice corn farm girl like yourself. No history of violence, straight A's, no record with speeding tickets. Just gotta wonder, why'd you kill him now? All oh, right, yeah, don't tell me. You
0: wouldn't want to incriminate yourself. Not after you were so smart planning it. That jury back in Iowa sure ain't gonna get hung up on premeditation and
3: a gas leak. Come on, it's, it's amateur hour from top to bottom.
0: It sounds like you got it all figured out.
3: I do have you all figured out.
0: You can't know anything about me.
3: White trash mom divorces dad, starts up with some guy who's a drinker. Maybe knocks her around a little bit. And so she marries him because, you know, that's what happens. And then this drunk, this Wayne, he moves into your house and you get to lay there every night and listen to him doing your mom right there in your daddy's old bedroom. And even that wouldn't be so bad if he didn't beat her up all the time. But she... She loves him. She defends him. And that don't make a person want to kill somebody. I don't know what does. But the question is, now, why now?
0: Why, after all these years, did you just decide to blow poor Wayne up? He come knocking on your door late at night?
1: You never touched me. Edward, a Edward Mars is a bad guy, by the way.
2: Well, I think that, again, this is him sort of taking the role of, like, the, the knowing cop. And I think him especially, like, looking down on Kate being like, you thought you were going to get away with this? And again, that was to our point earlier that I think whether she doubted her skills or whether she was a- already planning to be on the run, it's very clear that, you know, had she stayed, she would have been convicted of this. She wasn't able to really frame things up in a proper way. But I don't know. I could actually see from this scene why Kate, I don't want to use the term confides, but like why she has a relationship with Mars to the point where in I Do, she's going to, you know, give him a call on her wedding day. Because I think that he sees her in a way that like no one else has seen her before. I think that as we talk about with her parents, they see her as a lot of different things. But this is the guy who sits her down in a car, never met her before, and essentially tells her entire life story. And maybe this is just through his own prior police experience. But you have to imagine that reverberates on somebody like Kate, who is about, you know, identity crisis and really finding out whether she's a good person or a bad
1: person. I think just as big of a piece of it, though, is what happens next, where, uh, look out, there's a horse on the road, uh, and a horse sprints across the road and causes them to crash a car And she's going to, you know, kick Mars out of the car and get behind the wheel and drive off after, like, staring down the horse. You have to say,
2: Kate, stop staring to look at the horse and drive.
1: Uh, But I think, like, you know, Kate blew up Wayne because Wayne was, like, an unabashed piece of shit. And, like, she looks at him and sees, like, if that's where I come from, what kind of darkness do I have in me? Like, that's the complex that she articulates to Sawyer, right? Um, right? So, like, she killed him for a very specific reason, but, like... She left Mars on the side of the road in like horse poop as it's raining and, and muddy, uh, and probably doesn't feel great about that. So I imagine like she has some like residual, like, uh, I feel like a bad person for what I did about all of that, that, you know, kind of inspires some of the continued relationship that they have. But I just think that the way that Mars talks to her is just kind of gross. Um, I, I think that this is where his obsession with her comes in.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, it's Absolutely. not just that like
1: she got away, but she got away by like, uh, Literally, like, kicking him in the face out of his car.
2: Well, I mean, this is really, like, yeah, this is a different version of, like, Tommy Lee Jones and the Fugitive, where maybe he seems like an obsessive person to begin with. I can't imagine how many perps got away with him, especially to your point, in this fashion. So I can understand why he'd want to, like, devote himself to this, especially considering this is not some, like, petty crime. This is arson and murder. So, you know, she's got a big bounty on her head
1: um all right so that all goes down and then meanwhile back at the hatch Locke's hanging out with michael is
2: i i obviously josh because i'm a hashtag millennial i don't know how like those hashtag school- did you say oh yes absolutely i don't know how these like old old first era computers work what's with the the spinning uh almost looks like tape decks in the background is that for computing purposes buddy
1: you're asking me I don't know. You're older uh, than me. Yeah, barely. I mean, (laughs) you're what, 30, 31? Yeah, yeah, you're five years older than me. Okay, well, that's not enough. Uh, (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) No idea. No clue. No clue. I was working out of uh, some sort of Mac box thingy on my first computer. Uh, I don't remember what what kind it was. Um, I don't know. Computer experts, weigh in. Yeah.
2: Some, or, or we'll have to get invested in like Halt and Catch Fire yeah, to some watch of, the origin Ooh, I, I need to
1: watch that still. So do that I. That has not happened for me. All right. That's after uh, the Alias rewatch. Then we're going to do, I think we said Fringe. <laughs> uh, yeah. What else did we say? We were going to do like Cheers. Oz. Oz. <laughs> And uh, then we'll uh, Fra- oh, uh, did we say Fraser? Guiding light, uh, guiding for Cynthia light. Waltros. I think I maybe just threw Fraser in there now. So Fraser first, or is Fraser gonna? Ooh, yes, tall salad and scrambled guy uh, coming to your feet. Twenty twenty two. I've never watched Fraser, so that'll be.
2: Oh, you haven't? Oh, it is oh that'll
1: be a great podcast. So we'll do Fraser, we'll, but we'll do Fraser after *Halt and Catch Fire*. Uh, all right, locks with Michael. They're... *Halt and Catch Fraser*. <laughs> *Halt and Catch Fraser*. Oh, we'll kill two birds with one stone. There
2: we go. Let's we'll alternate weeks. Done. That's
1: great. That's great. Uh, all right. So he's gonna tell Michael, like, all right, check out the hardware, just don't break it uh by the way how is Locke not not out in the jungle looking for walt right now is beyond me uh like michael like telling Locke, like yeah they took walt and Locke not immediately going and grabbing the knife being like let's go find your boy uh is well, very I, disappointing I want, to me
2: like we talked about with orientation i think it's just this idea of like he feels this is his destiny like this is his thing now and so he feels like even though he set up the shift rotation he can leave michael b for a, a little bit but like you know, he he can't go out onto another mission right now. He's moved on from the Walt side of things, from the survivalist lock. Now he is the lock that is hell bent on keeping that button pressed. He also lock also brings up the fun fact that we'll see recur many, many times that the countdown will not actually or the you can't type anything into the computer until the four minute countdown unless you're IMing with your son. Yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. If that if you get if somebody slides into your DMs at the hatch, then you can respond, but otherwise you can't. Um All right, so Locke's going to leave Michael to it, and he is going to encounter uh, Mr. Echo sitting in the breakfast nook, uh, and Mr. Echo wants to tell him a story about the breakfast book. Uh, Let's hear Mr. Echo talk to Mr. Locke.
3: If you don't mind, I will begin at the beginning. Long before Christ, the king of Judah was a man named Josiah. Boy, when you say beginning, you mean beginning. At that time, the temple where the people worship was in ruin. And so the people worshiped idols, false gods. And so the kingdom was in disarray. Josiah, since he was a good king, sent his secretary to the treasury and said, We must rebuild the temple. Give all of the gold to the workers so that this will be done. But when the secretary returned, he had no gold. And when Josiah asked why this was, the secretary replied, We found a poor. Do you know this story no very what the secretary had found was an ancient book the book of law you may know it as the old testament and it was with that ancient book not with the gold, that Josiah rebuilt the temple On the other side of the island, we found a place much like this. And in this place, we found a book. I believe what's inside there would be of great value to
2: you. Josh, can can we have Triple A narrate like a planetarium show or something? Because his voice has so much gravity to it when he tells this story that it's just uh it like lulls me into such a,
1: a beautiful
2: sense of overwhelming feeling.
1: Have you ever heard his actual accent before? He's British. Yeah, he's British, yeah, right? Yeah, it he sounds he sounds amazing. Uh his voice is just incredible uh i i love i love Adewale so much he's just he's just incredible this is what, this is one of the great mr echo scenes um i think this is there there's also coming up later on i don't think we pulled the sound but he's gonna have the great line don't mistake coincidence for fate in this episode yeah, yeah, yeah. uh just like every time echo has been on screen this season uh <laughs> have we given him an MVP every single time he has been eligible for one I'm pretty and spoiler <laughs> alert that's going to continue this episode <laughs> I'm pretty sure as, as streaky as block shirt post funerals You know I'm pretty sure that uh that echo is going to continue rising uh, rising this tide
2: Yeah even the one where he didn't speak and he just knocked Sawyer out with a stick I still gave him a point
1: Yeah I mean like and rightfully so because it's was just kind of badass Uh but no he's he's great in this scene uh, underratedly great in this scene is Terry O'Quinn, uh, who, yeah. who I love in this scene because, uh, he, he's reacting sort of with this mixture of, uh, amusement and like kind of annoyance, right? Like it sort of feels like he's a little bit irritated with, or almost a little holier than thou, than Mr. Echo. Obviously. Oh, wow. That's uh, tough to do. Obviously John Locke is a man of faith, but I Think that he is a man of a very specific kind of faith. I don't think that he's a particularly religious guy. Like I don't think that like he is like a devout Christian or anything like that. Um, uh, that's reserved for Jack's father. Uh, he is he is somebody who believes that he has a path and we all have a path and we are all destined to do things. But when it comes to like the hokey religious mumbo jumbo, I don't think that Locke is particularly here for it. Uh, mm-hmm. So as Echo is saying, what he's saying, I think it's like a lot of like. I don't know. It's almost like he doesn't like hearing somebody who would be giving, like, he's giving, Echo is giving Locke a Locke speech. Uh, right. and I don't think Locke loves hearing it necessarily. But then when he sees what's in the book and what's in the book is a splice of the Marvin Candle video, um, I think like now he's interested because it's like, oh, collision. Uh, that was last week, but now it's back this week. Like, I, I love it when destinies collide together. Uh, this is fate, man. Uh, like mm-hmm. that's his, you know, that's his sermon. That's all he needs. He wants to yada,
2: yada, yada. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I think, to Terry O'Quinn's credit, I think as an actor, one of the hardest things to do is to listen. Because usually, you at least are given, you know, motivations and tactics through the dialogue as to how your character is feeling. When you have to react non-verbally, that is all inner monologue and really making suppositions based on your character. And to your point, I think he does it really well. Echo's particular story is very interesting, As well, essentially, this idea of the unifier of this kingdom not being money, but the Old Testament, the book of law. And I think, again, if we're going back to man of science, man of faith, I don't feel like uh, money is necessarily science. I think it's more so, I guess, logical motivation. But it's a a symbol here of what Locke fundamentally believes, that faith, not logic, is the true motivator uh, of people. And that, you know, Echo is sort of, even though maybe Echo is speaking about people and stories that Locke is not as attuned to, he is speaking his language in a manner of speaking.
1: Uh, all right. So meanwhile, Jack's chopping a bunch of wood. Hurley shows up to break the ice. It's a very funny light. So Rose's husband's white. Didn't see that
2: coming. <laughs> just really trying to pass the time. And Jack's like, damn it, I don't have a story where I met your father <gasps> uh, that I can break to you like Sawyer broke to me
1: last time we were here. Yeah, he's just saying, just, you're, you're, ma- you're mad at Sawyer. It's transference. That's what they called it in the mental hospital. Yeah, that,
2: you know, that Johnny Depp movie where he puts himself into the computer. Oh. Maybe
1: that's where the spinning reels come from. Oh, let's not talk about that movie. That movie's trash. Pure trash. Uh, just really, really bad. Uh, at the Hatch, uh, son is with Sawyer. Kate's going to relieve son. She's going to stand over Sawyer She's going to have a flashback Another one of these flashbacks that you love so much Mike And so do I Uh, Let's bring in uh, the best daddy since King Daddy Quan. Uh, Yes definitively
2: Prince Daddy Austin Yeah this is the
1: Prince Daddy for sure Let's bring him in here's Sam Austin Hi dad
3: Katie the police and the U.S. Marshals Are looking for you You I've been
0: waiting outside for two hours
3: Is it true what they're saying? Katie, what'd you come here for?
0: Why didn't you tell me, Dad? Tell you what. I was making a scrapbook. A surprise for your birthday. So I called one of your CEOs to get some pictures of you in uniform. The pictures that he sent me had dates on the back. Photos of you in Korea up until four months before I was born. Why didn't you tell me the way it was my father? Why?
3: I didn't tell you because I knew you'd kill him. And your mother loved him. You were five years old. I wanted to take you along with me. She wouldn't let me. Because I don't have murder in my heart. I'm going to have to call him.
1: hour generous or not generous enough
2: um i'd say i don't know kate seems to be a pretty quick runner she'd be better on horseback but i think an hour is a good amount of time (laughs) she was waiting outside the army center for what two hours so it's clear that she can do a lot with an hour
1: uh but he's you know he's trying to give her uh a little bit of fatherly love before he has to do what he believes is the right thing and uh call the cops uh and you know saying like i don't have murder in my heart um one of my questions was I don't remember uh I don't remember him so well from his next appearance, which is gonna be in one of them. Yeah, in the Saeed flashback of the season. Um so we'll have to we'll have to reevaluate him there. Uh but here he's he's you know, he's showing a lot of love for Kate here. He wanted to help her out. He wasn't able to help her out, uh and now uh she's done what she's done and you know, he can't really he can't really bite it. It's a very sad scene. Very, very sad yeah. scene.
2: It's a brilliantly complicated scene uh, because you see how much reverence Kate has. You can see, again, the role that she plays with all of these people. With Wayne, it's pure derision, pure hatred, which she'll get into in this next scene. For Diane, it's protection. She feels like she needs to shelter her mom from the demon she's living with. For Sam Austin, it's reverence. She was making a scrapbook for him for his birthday, and that sort of is the triggering event that makes her sort of put two and two together and realize that he's not really her father, but she still visits him because she wants answers out of him, and to his credit, he does give her said answers, and I think that, you know, uh, I believe his name is Lindsay Ginter did a really great job in this scene. It was really interesting to see you know, not only Sam Austin reveal this information about Wayne being Kate's biological father, but also getting Extremely emotional about it. Uh, Specifically, when talking about how he wanted to take Kate with him, but Diane would have let him. You'd have to assume that Wayne played a part in that, maybe to insist that Kate had to stay with them, uh, which makes Kate's plight even that more tragic. The line, "Because I don't have murder in my heart," is also very interesting, considering Sam Austin's line of work. You know, and and we'll talk about this more once we get back into the Saeed flashbacks of it all. But it has always been interesting to me. From a militaristic perspective, how psychologically you might be able to differentiate between like taking a life and taking a life in the name of something. Uh, in this case, it does seem like although Sam Austin is involved in an industry that does, uh, you know, involve military strikes and winning wars and yes, taking lives, he feels that fundamentally different than what Kate did.
1: Well, yeah, what Kate uh, did and you know what Kate did is she blew a guy up in his half-drunk sleep. Uh you know what what Sam does is he's a, he's a soldier in war you know he's a soldier for the military he's protecting the nation it's literally his job uh what Kate did was was she killed a person that she had a problem with uh and that's the reason why she did it and that's not great you know <laughs> like i mean the problems yeah. are understandable uh but the answer being well i'm gonna murder the guy is not really good uh (laughs) yeah it's
2: definitely more emotional than logical which sam i would imagine as a military person has like the tactical logical part of his mind even if he does have emotion invested in kate i mean there's a lot of weight behind the hug they have i think they both know this is probably the last time they're going to see each other assuming that she keeps going on the run so like it's a very, very heavy way to say goodbye. And really big kudos to the set dresser for this episode because there's one small thing, actually, two small things. One is apparently Saeed is on one of the TVs in the background, uh, you know, Hurley style in, uh, you know, when we talk about woo uh, right. in translation. Right. But as Kate's walking out, one of the signs she passes as she leaves the Army Center is a sign that says, build your future. And obviously, while that has militaristic uh, connotations behind it, That's what Kate is doing. She has lost all of her support systems in what she did. Tom included. We did not see the scene where she leaves Tom, obviously, but you know that was a big deal. And she is building her own future here, and she's attempted to build her own future on the island. But as she's experiencing with this poor horse, her past is coming back to haunt her in more ways than one.
1: All right, so at back at the hatch, she's going to be talking to Sawyer. She's like, "Is it you, Wayne? Are you in there? Uh, I want to tell you that I I I didn't kill you because you drove Dad away." Or how you looked at me, or because of what you did to mom. It's because I knew that you were part of me, so I'd never be good. And you suck. And you're just terrible. And so it's like, hey, come on. It's me. It's not. I'm not waiting.
2: To be fair, she does say, uh, even without you know Sawyer being Sawyer, being like, yeah, I see that when I look at Sawyer. Which was like, uh, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me.
1: That I remind you of your abusive stepfather. Right. 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 Uh, and he, so he's waking up, and Kate's like, oh, that's awkward. Shouldn't have said that. Yeah, but it
2: seems like Sawyer's in a a good spirit. But, I mean, this is a huge moment for Kate's character. And I feel like this is something that fundamentally connects her with Sawyer as well. And that they both feel like, due to their upbringing, they are fundamentally broken people. And so they almost, like, self-perpetuate that bad behavior because they feel like they are not deserving of behaving well. It's It's a very weird, like, psychological Ouroboros that really is a common thread that
1: draws these two characters closer together. Uh, all right. So Locke and Echo are going to be talking. Uh, voila. Uh, we're splicing the tape together. This is so exciting. You're my new best friend. This will be cool. Who'd have thunk it? You were on the other side of the island. I was on this side. You have that tape. I have this tape. Uh, this is really, really great. Uh, it's like we we were meant to be friends and Mr. Echo says, don't mistake coincidence for fate, but what he's Which really pretty much
2: says, like, I am not your friend. Yeah,
1: what he's really saying is like, well, We're jets, buddy. We just met. We just met. Uh, I think Locke more impressed with, with Echo than Echo with Locke, uh perhaps at this point. Uh what's our portmanteau for them? Locko?
2: I think Locko could work, even though that seems like some sort of like Dharma off brand waffle that would be in the pantry. No,
1: that's Leko.
2: <laughs> Lecco my Locko.
1: my Uh, But don't mistake coincidence for fate. Uh, This is the thing that separates Mr. Echo from John Locke in the end. And as we are charting the path of why does the smoke monster court Mr. Echo uh, choose to ultimately part ways with Mr. Echo as a potential avatar for his monsterly deeds? um, Aside from the fact that Ottawa just wanted off the show, uh, I think that this is a big part of it. um, That Mr. Echo is more discerning than John Locke is to a certain extent uh where it's like i don't know about fate like it may be just a coincidence that you and i are here together right now uh like don't read so much meaning into every single thing maybe take a breath and think about where we are uh yeah. you know like maybe there's there's maybe there's meaning behind this maybe there's not but don't get so excited kid uh i think that because echo is able to make those types of evaluations Um, Locke is uh, not really uh, interested in making those types of evaluations. Uh, The monster is going to see John Locke, ultimately, as uh, he's going to be right, that one of these two men is much more moldable than the other.
2: Right. Echo is skeptical. tried to put skeptical and echo in there, and I just ended up falling over my words. But you get what I'm saying. Uh, He is sort of—I wouldn't say he's an exact cross between a man of science and a man of faith, but if we're turning it on a spectrum, you're right. He is— more on the he's definitely in the lock camp, but he has more Jack like tendencies as well. And so you can really see how his essence to while still be spiritual, have some regard for the more logical things that happen in life, it, it definitely uh is a little bit less of an ideal candidate than someone like John Locke who throws himself wholeheartedly into something if he feels like he was meant to do it, no questions asked. Right. Uh
1: yeah so it's a, it's a, I think it's a very important difference between these two characters. Uh so it's a, it's a quick scene, it's an iconic line, don't mistake coincidence for fate, but I think it really does draw a big line between these two people. Um going to take Sawyer out for some air. He's like, "Oh my god, we got rescued. Woohoo." Yeah, we poor poor Sawyer.
2: Like it's like, "Oh, it finally happened." But I don't know what I mean, I wonder how much he remembers of the entire experience in the whole and everything because otherwise you think he just like blacked out from the time he was sitting on the piece of driftwood with michael until now
1: yeah uh i don't know what he remembers you know from i mean he was probably like fading in and out of a lot of stuff so it was probably like uh it's just like i don't know like the Lulu was that real was any of that real
2: Mm mm-hmm uh, and there's also a really fun moment for foreshadowing earlier when Sawyer asked for the first time, are we saved, are we rescued? And Kate says, no, 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 Sawyer, not yet. And it's just, ah uh, makes me think of that heartbreaking helicopter scene in the season four finale that I can't wait
1: to get to. Yeah. Uh, so they take him outside. Also Sawyer's hair. I don't know if Josh Holloway's I, wearing a wig. I, I was wondering the same thing. I am on wig here and like either they blew it out or he is wearing a wig. Uh, but yeah, so she takes him outside uh and then he's like you should probably take me inside cuz I can see a horse. And <laughs> just like wait, do you see that? It's like yeah, I absolutely see the horse. So there's the horse, the last appearance we'll ever get of him of uh, the monster as a horse. Do you think it's because the monster's like, well Kate was making out with Jack before, maybe she's going to make out with this guy. I just want to keep peeping on the makeout sesh.
2: Or maybe he's like, I hate being a horse.
1: <laughs> there's so much poop. Um...
0: Let me just
2: let me just stop being the horse and I, I mean from a symbolic perspective uh, it's very clear that, like, I think this is Kate. Now that Kate has finally owned up to her past and has confronted it, the representation of her past is now able to, instead of running away, you know, embrace her fully. Though, again, if you go with the headcanon that this is the smoke monster, that all goes out the window.
1: All out the window. Uh, but I I like to think that maybe the smoke monster is like, ooh, that was Kate and Sawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he had seen them in the jungle back in season one. He was in horse mode watching them from afar. Uh, when... Ooh,
2: I want to re-edit of Lost season one with just a black horse interspersed in every few scenes. Okay,
1: new mission moving forward for the next several episodes that we remember to do this before we forget the bit, uh, as often happens here on Down the Hatch and podcasting generally. Uh, let's keep an eye out for where's the horse? What is the horse peeping on during any given scene of Lost?
2: Hashtag Black
1: Horse Watch. Yeah, Horse Watch, Horse Watch. Uh, all right, Jack is gonna go to Ana Lucia. Tequila and tonic time, baby. Just I guess what tonic. she's
2: doing, Josh? Uh,
1: Sharpening a stick. Yeah, she loves to sharpen sticks. So they're gonna sit. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna catch that second drink that they were gonna get once upon a time. Uh, and he, she's like, "Are you here to convince me that everybody here doesn't hate me?" He says, "Only if you try to convince me, every woman in the world isn't crazy." Rude, Jack. Very rude. I know, I know it's been a
2: weird day for you, but you are in no right to say that.
1: No right whatsoever. Uh so that's what's going on uh between the two of them. Uh not Jack.
2: And this is definitely some more romantic fodder. We talked about this that Anna Lucy, I think, was set up a little bit in the beginning of the season to sort of be like the fourth uh angle of that quadrangle of love that Juliet's eventually going Yeah, to in. they're
1: starting to put it in place. Uh it's obviously gonna be short lived. Um, but nice to get Jack and Anna Lucia talking uh, Meanwhile, back at the hatch Let's watch the tape Roll it, sound number eight
0: When the alarm sounds You or your partner must input the code It is highly recommended that you and your partner Take alternating shifts In this manner, you will both stay as fresh and alert as most important Timely fashion. Here it comes. But do not attempt to use a computer for anything else other than the entering of the code. This is its only function. The isolation that attends the duties associated with Station 3 may tempt you to try and utilize a computer for communication with the outside world. This is strictly for you. Attempting to use a computer in this manner will compromise the integrity of the project and, worse, could lead to another incident. do not use a computer for anything other than entering the code. Congratulations. Until your replacements arrive, the future of the project is in your hands.
2: No wonder they had to watch it again.
1: There was a deleted scene. (laughs) There was a deleted scene. Who knew? Uh, I wonder if uh, it was a deleted scene when they got the... um, uh, if they ever found like the splice where Nick Fury shows up at the end of the Swan Station video and recruits uh, Marvin Candle to the Avengers, no, that, no,
2: that's Mikhail. that he, he has an eye patch as well. He
1: takes him takes him away from the Dharma Initiative for a different initiative.
2: Oh, is that why Marvin Candle has a different hairstyle and outfit I in think this so. deleted scene? I think
1: so. Think so. All right. So uh, he says, "Do not touch the computer under any circumstances. Don't use the computer." To communicate with anyone, to do anything other than the numbers. Cut to Michael using the computer to do things other than inputting the numbers. And somebody's to be fair, IMing he
2: has, him. <laughs> he's yeah, he gets he gets the hail. He got he gets the U up first. Uh this last scene reminded me a bit, Josh, of the PBS show Ghostwriter. Yeah, I don't know if you ever oh, thought it like this. Where Ghost like it was a spirit. Yeah, what, what this word? little spirit that kind of yeah. looks like a I don't even know, like a dot with like echo lines off of it, not Mr. Echo lines, but it would like it could communicate via writing and all that also included the computer so like the very slow scrawling green text very much reminded me that
1: yeah let's put ghostwriter on the list of uh down the hatch successors uh, There we go. although it had a really bad finale i think the final episode was that one with like the the grape monster uh oh, it was i thought it was when they were doing the music video of like you gotta be me or whatever you gotta, be, gotta
2: believe yeah
1: maybe i'm pretty sure it was the grape i don't know uh, either way it didn't like have like a big celebrated ending it had like a cool story arc that they could have ended it on like the one where like uh ghostwriter goes back in time and yeah, like yeah, we yeah. meet like the young version of him right isn't there like uh, uh yeah
2: because it goes back to a certain time where like now these are completely different characters yeah, that yeah, ghostwriter yeah. is uh is helping solve crimes
1: yeah. remember double t i think so Double oh, T yeah, 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 yeah double t he was like the poet he's uh he's homeless he's a poet and he's also uh the guy from Warriors. Oh, wait,
2: speaking of Nick Fury, uh Samuel L. Jackson was in Ghostwriter. Was he actually? He was Jamal's dad. No way, are you kidding me? I just wicked wow. it now. Wow. I had no <laughs> idea. So we gotta watch it now. Absolutely. Uh, I
1: mean, I would do a run through Ghostwriter for sure. Uh that, oh, yeah. that I'm not even really joking about. Uh anyway, so Ghostwriter is communicating through uh the computer, uh, and Michael is gonna be like, ooh, uh the, c- the computer is like who are you? And Michael goes, hmm, I am Michael. Who are yeah, you? Like, <laughs> like, I love how we just see his this first name, like, oh yes, Michael,
2: I'm aware of you. Uh, Michael. I mean, it, it turns out to be, unless uh, maybe Walt was like, looking at a plant, like, wait a minute, that's not Michael.
1: That's not Michael. Uh, so he mouths, he's, he's going to say, I'm Michael, and then we're going to see dad. And it's like, what? Uh, So, uh, we gotta answer the question, is this actually Walt on a computer, or is Michael getting catfished?
2: I believe it was confirmed by, uh, Darleton themselves that it was Walt. Okay.
1: Oh, wow. Uh, amazing. Amazing. Though
2: I would like to believe the others catfishing as a, what a catfishing as a ten-year-old boy would be like, from the others' perspective. Yeah.
1: Anyway, so that's a big ending. Uh, it's our first real significant clue about Walt here. Uh, so that's good. Um... I think it it makes more sense to me if it's catfishing than it being Walt.
2: Mm, And I I think that it also is a very... I mean, it comes out of nowhere. I will say one of the things that I'm not... It reminds me of sort of like when they find Claire in the jungle uh, before Homecoming. That type of ending that just sort of drops in in the middle of nowhere. Though I guess that's the point. But it also is going to set Michael... Set his sights back on Walt. You know, I feel like since uh, Jin assuaged him back at the waterfall... In an ooh and found of like, don't worry, we're going to find your son. Michael sort of has not been focusing so much on finding his boy, but now that he knows he can talk with his boy, he is going to get set back onto that path that is going to lead to him putting bullets inside Ana Lucia and Libby.
1: All right, well, let's get into uh, the, the, the rest of the show. We've got some feedback. Before we do that, Mike, let's take a quick second to thank our sponsors for this episode of Down the Hatch. Those are our friends over at upstart. Uh, Mike, as most of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt is easy. Getting out is hard, especially if your credit score isn't great. Uh, Thankfully, now there's upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score and offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off high interest credit card debt. Upstart goes beyond the traditional credit score when assessing your credit worthiness. They actually reward you based on your education and job history in the form of a smarter rate. And they believe that you're more than just your credit score. They believe in you, Mike. Uh, They make it fast, simple, and easy to check your rate. And since it's just a soft pull, it's not going to affect your credit score. The hard pull happens if you accept your rate. Uh, Do not mistake coincidence for rate. Mike. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, that was a lost pun that I could not resist. The best part, once the loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next business day. The next day, Mike. Uh, Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards or meet their financial goals so you can free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. So see why Upstart is top-ranked in their category with a 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot. And hurry to upstart.com slash post. That's how you're going to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Check your rate. It only takes a few minutes. So go to upstart.com slash post. That's upstart.com slash post. Mike, are you ready to get into the others? Are you ready to talk some feedback? Always, uh, always, uh, always is uh, not a character on this show. Uh, no, it's a
2: it's a man named Al who guides everyone in the jungle as to where to go.
1: All right, let's talk about the story of Josiah. Some information pulled on that from your friend and mine, the great Ben Martell. Uh, Echo's story about Josiah it essentially checks out. Uh, he's a more accurate storyteller than Locke is. It turns out uh, it's from uh, Two Kings, the Bible, uh, twenty two, twenty three, I believe is the passage. According to the Bible, uh, this is some additional context for the story of Josiah that Echo left out of his version of the telling to Locke. Uh, the treasurer did, in fact, contain the money to pay the workers. Uh, it didn't only contain a book. But the book was the Torah, and it contained Deuteronomy, which set out requirements for building the temple. Josiah, realizing that the temple hadn't been built in accordance with the requirements for generations that included the worship of other gods, was so distraught that he had the temple completely stripped of everything that wasn't in accordance with Deuteronomy, including expressly throwing out the male prostitutes and ending child sacrifice.
2: Not the male prostitutes!
1: Yes, they were thrown out.
2: What will the gigolos
1: do, Josh? They're out on the streets. It's bad. It's bad. Uh, All right. Let's get into some feedback from everybody else. This is from Eric Diverstein. Uh, What do we make of Kate's crime? We've known her long enough by season two to believe she's not a bad person. And first-time watchers by this point must have expected that the circumstances around her mystery crime once revealed would morally exonerate her. But I'm not sure that that's what we got. Is it troubling that Kate is capable of murder? How does it affect your feelings about Kate? Um, Mike, can you reach back far enough into your own personal lost fandom archives to recall how you felt about this as for how it impacted your view of Kate? Um, Because I I think for me, like, it didn't move the needle in any way of like, oh, Kate's a bad person now.
2: Mm. Well, yeah, because I think that, A... Even though you might feel that the reason she did so is uh, unsubstantiated or not, it does come from at least a motivated place. It's not, uh, you slept with my boyfriend. It's you, you know, not only are you a toxic presence in my household, but, you know, I've sickened myself in finding out that I am even related to you. Right. Whatsoever. I think it's also, it's a softer landing due to the fact that the previous flashbacks have seen Kate do criminal things. You know, we've seen her rob a bank before. Uh, we saw her a bit unintentionally get some one of her closest people killed back in Born to Run. So this is not the first time we've seen Kate commit a crime. It will certainly not be the last. This just happens to be the first one. And while I do feel like it is the most severe, certainly from a, a legal perspective, it almost feels like we've been watching Kate do bad things and flash for a while, for a while. Yeah, like three, if, three if, times at this point. If she
1: didn't lose us by getting her childhood friend riddled with bullets. Uh, she's not going to lose us on this, I don't think.
2: And again, especially because her family history is so sordid. And I do feel like the show, again, your mileage may vary as to whether or not you felt Kate was justified in feeling the way she did and especially with what she did. But I feel like this episode does a great job in really laying the cards out for us to show why Kate played the hand that she did, uh, even if it was a bluff or if she was pushing all in when she didn't need to.
1: Daniel Brennan asks us, was the reveal of what Kate did ultimately worthy of being a fairly significant mystery of the show's first season and a half? And did fans have any interesting theories about what she did prior to the airing of this episode? I have no recollection about theories about what Kate did. Neither do I. Um... Mm, was it worthy of being such a big mystery for the show's first season and a half? I do think it goes on longer than it needs to. uh, But I I, I, I think that the bigger crime is that uh, we have to suffer through the two flashbacks uh, between Tabula Rasa and this one. Uh, Like, I I think that that's my bigger uh, gripe with it. Uh, It's less about this specific um, episode. Being where it is and more that we had two Kate episodes that didn't move the needle on her in any really meaningful way. Um, so like maybe if like we reconvert some of season one to not have, um, you know, to not have like those first couple of, uh, you know, to have the whatever the case may be flashback to redo Born to Run in some way. Um, you know have like different characters stepping in whether whether Born to Run like maybe that's where you can get your Shannon flashback or something like that mm. Um, but I, I think that that's my bigger issue rather than like making it be a mystery for this long it's like all of the different ways that they tried to tell Kate stories that were very unsuccessful that's the bigger crime to me
2: yeah I would actually argue thinking back on it I think Born to Run is a much better flashback episode if it comes after the flashback from what Kate did because I feel like that brings more resonance to Kate visiting Diane again you know at the at the time it happens we have no idea why she freaks out when she sees her why you know Kate is so skulky when she's trying to sneak around going back into the hospital and I feel like the relationship between Tom and Kate deepens even more knowing you know how Kate had been feeling about her family that she was only able to really find solace in Sam Austin and in Tom, and Tom was the only person that was in her proximity. I sort of like that as a, maybe if you if you flop the two flashbacks from those two episodes, maybe it makes her storylines more pal- palatable.
1: Uh, this stuck out to me as well this time around. So from Stefan Johnson, Kate only gave herself 30 seconds of extra time before the gas went off. It's not enough time! What if she tripped on the way out or accidentally left her keys? Yeah, Mike, and, and on top of that, like, she really takes a beat before she drives off on the motorcycle, too. Uh, Kate must have, like, really had the timing down on this one.
2: Oh, yeah, I think she was counting one one thousand, 1000 as she was uh, walking out there. And maybe her anxiety quickened it a bit, so maybe she missed the timing. Maybe she wanted to drive away, like... Right as it was exploding, uh-huh. so she could ride the fire and the flame. She could become her own Ghost Rider. Wow, in a a diff- that's speaking. a different
1: Ghost Rider. Uh, that's the that's the superhero. Uh, ghost but yeah, I've, ghost I've, Rider I've, was a bit of a superhero as well, though.
2: I'd say so. I think he solved, you know, he did not solve the world's, uh, you know, largest crimes from supernatural hellish forces, but like, he was able to get a lot of stuff done. He was busting some pretty criminal activity, sort of as like Edward Mars, but without the tood.
1: Should they do a movie adaptation of Ghostwriter, the TV show starring Nicolas Cage as Ghostwriter?
2: Like, as a voice? Yes. I mean I guess that sort of defeats the whole purpose of him only being expressed through writing though. Right? Yeah, but, the, no, the writing but now speaks.
1: in the modern era, like you gotta do it like uh Siri. So like Oh, that so episode it talks yeah. to
2: like Alexa yeah. Google yeah, Home that's, of uh, like, no, it, but
1: it's Nicholas Cage. Go to the go to the main street. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh. I think it could be good. This is who stole the Declaration of Independence. Uh, stop, Ghostwriter, stop trying to have us solve that crime. Uh, Jim Fells asks us, Wayne returning inside Sawyer's body, it's an interesting one. It's one thing that does tie into the island being the source of life, death, and rebirth. I guess Sawyer being so close to death allowed Wayne's soul to take over for a moment?
2: Uh, I, I just, I really don't like I that I don't idea. know. It, because I think it's very stupid, <laughs> if that's the case. Yeah. We, ne- we never see that again. I feel like if you're gonna do Possession... Like, make it a big deal. There are enough characters that have died or are, quote-unquote, undead. Like, Kristen Shepard could speak to somebody through somebody else, if that's a thing. And I feel like that is rich territory to stick your stick into to dig up a grave. And this just feels like they, they want to make something weird and spooky happen and then never address it again.
1: Yeah, Uh. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just—I'm happy to let it go off into the void. I'm just going to remember the horse. Uh, Eric Divestein, Why did Radzinski want to remove the portion of the film that warns about using the computer for anything other than entering the code? And if it's so important that the computer not be used to contact the outside world, why would Dharma make it capable of contacting the outside world?
2: So, I'm trying to remember, because outside the computer, like, they, he only uses it to communicate with Walt, right, Michael? Uh,
1: yeah, that's right.
2: So maybe it's a matter of... So, Redzinski, Inman and Desmond. Maybe Redzinski
1: got catfished and like fell in love with another <laughs> uh, and didn't want anyone else to be able Like, maybe they broke up and then he didn't want the ma- maybe other. Maybe it was Mikhail
2: being yeah. like, oh, my name is Svetlana and yeah. I'm a
1: sexy <laughs> new recruit for the Dharma Initiative. Yeah.
0: I wonder if I, I'm could, Mikhaila.
2: Exactly. I, and it's just Mikhail with like a, a blonde wig on for a picture. I think that it could be a thing where. You know, Radzinski brings in Inman, who was not an original Dharma recruit, and then Inman obviously brings in Desmond through other circumstances. I wonder if Radzinski, like, wanted to be the only person in on that secret. You know, part of the psychological experience of the hatch that we'll talk about in Question Mark coming up later on this season, maybe it's a thing of, like, cutting them off from the outside world. And as part of that experiment, he wants to make sure that they don't know it. Sort of like this whole idea with the quarantine and the hazmat suits.
1: Uh, Jim Fells once again, uh, has some thoughts about Walt on the computer. Uh, The writers apparently confirmed that it was Walt on the computer in the final scene, but I'm not really buying it. When Paolo sees Ben and Juliet in Exposé, Ben says he's planning to use Michael to bring Jack and the others to him. That scene takes place on the same day as this episode which seems like it can't be a coincidence. Walt also gives Michael very specific instructions later on, which lead Michael into a trap. If it was Walt on the computer, at the very least, it seems he was saying what they wanted him to say. So is that the the way that we marry uh, the, the official Darleton company line, that it's Walt on the computer, with the more logical interpretation of, like, Michael's doing exactly what the others are going to want him to do. Is it basically like Walt I with his dad at proverbial, hopefully not literal gunpoint, um, or like he's I aming with dad and uh, the others know it and they're not letting Walt in on the fact that they know that that's what's going on? See,
2: so I like to think the former because I think that also helps embolden the mythos of the others being these very scary, emotionally manipulative figures that, oh, they are coercing. Michael through Walt to kill these people and you know bring the people that they want to it does sort of butt up against when Ben tells Michael in the finale that you know Walt was causing them problems because I could think that this would sort of be the rebellious thing that Walt would do if that was the case but part of me just really wants to see the others really pulling the strings on everything in season two to the point where they were able to force Walt to I am his dad manipulating him into carrying out these certain circumstances
1: Ben Martell, a little down on the latest uh, Marvin Candle appearance. Ben writes in, The orientation films are all pretty much hits, but this additional part found at the arrow seems like a miss to me. Uh, all of Echo's buildup is so phenomenal, and it's just for a plot device to make what Michael is doing seem extra foreboding? Would the scene have been better if it had shown Lockbeed disappointed that the clip wasn't so meaningful? Uh, that would have been pretty funny, actually it uh, yeah, actually would have been like thematically consistent, right? Uh for Locke to just like be like really excited about the hatch and then disappointed by
2: it. And then Locke comes up with like two think pieces being like, here's why the deleted scene uh-huh. from the from the orientation video matters. Uh 15 Easter eggs, you might not know about the deleted scene from Marvin Candle's newest film.
1: Uh Dowin says, Is this the worst episode title of the show? What Kate did? I can't, I no, can't imagine. No, what Kate so. does is worse. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's worse. I think that that's definitely worse. Uh, let me pull up the, the list of lost episodes real quick uh, and just run through them and see what's worse. Uh, there's nothing, I don't think that there's anything worse in season one uh, than what Kate did. Uh, I think Fire plus water. I, I, I Fire think I plus
2: just, water, the the weird plus sign in there making it mathematical, you know, is very strange. You know,
1: I'm not a, I'm just not a huge fan of that, personally speaking. Uh, I think that that's that's up there. I don't know. I tip, I tend to typically like the lost episode titles egg town maybe which is another mm. kate episode is kind of a dumb title i think i, I will say we'll get to trisha tanaka is dead i feel like the title is
2: a little misleading given the thematic stuff from the episode
1: yeah no but it's totally right on the money uh mm. like for the episode to be called trisha tanaka is dead uh really just speaks to the tone uh, i have zero issue with trisha tanaka is dead
2: uh, i think he's our you is just a weird phrase it Let is, alone
1: thing just to title an episode. It makes sense within the context of the episode, but I'm not necessarily going to disagree with that. I love that episode. Um, I don't like Dr. Linus. I always disliked yeah. Dr. Linus was a, a least favorite of mine. Um, but no, I think that the episode titles tend to be pretty good. So I think maybe just by... Uh, lack of options what Kate did is on the on the bottom end I mean whatever the case may be I I, I like less uh, all right I remember us talking sure, and really sure, sure, throwing sure. it on there yeah, when we yeah, talked yeah, about that course, episode of course I, I guess I just I really didn't even want to think about it. um all right uh what did Jim fells have for us in his video this week the music analysis of this episode
2: so the big one that he mentioned was what you mentioned before in the Kate Jack scene which is that uh Kate's motel from born to Run is came back, albeit it's changed a little bit, it's a little less psycho-like now that we know that Kate is not necessarily a big mass murderer, but to your point, it still has those uh, those tinges in it, and when, during the book scene, we do get, you may have listened to it, uh, the stuff that sort of sounds like the beginning of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, but does resonate here, the big mystery theme from Deus Ex Machina, that's recurred, I think, in Exodus and Orientation, and will come about many, many times as John Locke encounters many, many mysteries on the island.
1: Uh, it's uh, worth noting at this moment that, uh, your friend and mine, the creator of DJ Dom, uh, Chris, the glove Taylor has noted that he is beginning his journey down the hatch Whoa, uh, as, Mama! as we are all in, uh, our, our quarantined States. Uh, the glove is, uh, finally getting in on lost. If he's got any updates for us, we will update you here with those updates. I certainly hope we have. Uh, Something to report back soon. Um, In further updates, we mentioned this in the latest episode of the Lost RPG, Tales from the Island, that Mike and I did uh, with the Great R Philly. If you have not gone back uh, and listened to that, we dropped that between our Collision Recap and this week's podcast. Really, really fun. No spoilers shenanigans ensued uh evil shenanigans indeed Uh, (laughs) uh, but we mentioned on that podcast that sadly uh the lost 2020 event has been canceled uh due to everything that's happening with COVID 19 um so sadly the the gathering on the island that was slated for may that i was going to be attending is not happening as it stands um, th- there's no word on if it's being rescheduled, if it's going to be rescheduled, uh, as it stands, it's just canceled. And I know refunds are being processed, uh, in the month of April. Uh, obviously I'm very bummed about that. I was really, yeah. really, really excited for that. I know a lot of people were as well. Um, we'll find a way to make that 10 year anniversary of the, the lost finale. We'll, we'll find a very fun down the hatch type of way to celebrate. Oh yeah.
2: I was, when I was going to say, I mean, obviously, you know, this is a once again, putting the cart before the horse, but I mean, if there's any way to, I don't know. Uh, Keep those panels or even those guests alive, and we can get involved in any way possible. I'm more than happy to... To do my share to we'll figure, make sure we, we, yeah, we we'll, represent the tenth anniversary of the Lost finale in our in our true way.
1: We'll figure out something to do here that's fun on Down the Hatch for sure. And I know that there's still some plans for things like that um, among the the Lost twenty twenty crew. Uh, too early to say, uh, but I believe that they are looking into some uh, some digital options as well. So if you were uh, if you were signed up for Lost twenty twenty, very likely that you've either received an email about it or will receive an email about it soon. Uh, so just keep an eye and an ear out for that um all right let's get into uh mvps and lvps this week uh mike you've got two mvps i've got three i've got two lvps you've got three i already spoiled one of my three uh horace is getting a point for sure (laughs) uh but that's also the smoke monster so smoke monster is going to get the long-term credit wow Uh, i think this is
2: the first time we have really acknowledged the monster nine episodes into season two
1: yeah, yeah 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 uh but it's great it's great uh it's it's great. I love I love the Smoke Monster. I love the horse. The horse had me laughing very very hard this week. Uh got to give the horse a point for cracking me up.
2: Mr. Echo, come on down. You've got another point here. I mean, Adewale just bringing it week after week. He's able to bring the footage and even if uh, you know, Ben Martel decries the actual nature of the footage, he's able to also form a friendship with Johnny Locke, which is going to become very very important for the rest of the season so let's continue the streak of points
1: yeah i'm gonna throw one in mr echo as well because he's amazing in this episode and i love mr echo and i love that line don't mistake coincidence for fate the whole telling of the 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 book uh the story about the book is just awesome uh hard not to give mr echo another point this week
2: i'm gonna give my other point to prince daddy sam austin yeah okay well, I also feel like we're going to see him again. So, like, this isn't going to be one of our one and done characters, but I don't know. I really loved the one scene he had with Kate. It's very clear he cares about her. He even gives her that hour, you know, before he ends up calling the cops. And so you could see how emotionally torn he has been with- in his relationship with her in the past and the present and probably the future as well. So I'm going to, I'm going to give him some kudos here.
1: Uh, I'm going to give my final MVP point. To Jin Soo Kwan. Ooh, listen, I'm never going to quibble with that. You know, we see him, at, we see him in the tent, we see him out of the tent, we see him get the handcuff off, and it's just great to see Daniel Dae Kim this week. Feeling very good about seeing Daniel Dae Kim this week. I agree. I wish nothing but the best for Daniel Dae Kim all of the time. Uh, he's, he seems like a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous human being in real life. Uh hope that he is feeling healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh and the fact that Jin has uh a very quiet but good episode this week, I'm gonna give that M V P point to Jin.
2: All right, we're snapping off a handcuff and putting on an MVP point.
1: Yeah, and we're going to put the handcuffs on Wayne and just dump five LVP points onto Wayne between yeah, the two of us. Yeah,
2: first for DTH. We let's have just, never put all of our LVP points in a week on one person. Let's shut this
1: guy down. Let's just it's shut him all to say all way Wayne down.
2: Jansen deserves it. He
1: deserves it. He deserves it. Shut him down. Big piece of crap. Um, season two rankings, Echo out in front in a big way with nine points, nine points for Mr. Echo, uh, which now makes him, uh, the third on the board for the wow. thru- through 209. Uh, he's got nine points. Kate is above him with two points at 11. Said is still the leader with, uh, I believe 13 points, uh, Saeed has, Uh, so, uh, I think Echo is going to very, very handily, uh, be the season two MVP leader. And I would expect that he will be, uh, the, the leader of it all through season two, um, not just of season two, but through the whole show through the season two finale, um, well, I,
2: it's not going to it's not going to stop next
1: week, I'll say that. I, I cannot imagine that it will. And of course, now Wayne is uh sinking, uh, he's the anchor of the LVP's in season 2. Uh there's a, you know, three people above him with negative negative fours, but he does have that rare negative 5 uh, and it puts him in rarefied air in the in the totals. He is tied with Randy Nations with negative 5 points. Uh Misery Loves Company. And only Anthony Cooper is above them both with negative 6. Um before we scout out the next episode that we're going to do, let's talk about the 4.2 stars. Let's rate this episode of Lost. Um, I'm going to give this episode a 3.2, Mike, what Kate did. I really enjoyed watching this much more than I expected to. I thought, mm-hmm. uh, I thought that I'd probably have this like high twos, maybe three. Agreed. Um, the horse killed me this week. I thought it was so <laughs> funny. Um, I think like maybe I would have even scored it a little bit higher. There are some external things that made this episode slightly harder to watch than I would have liked. Um, I'm not going to penalize it too, too much for that, but it is probably dinged like a a little bit of like a fraction of a point. Uh, this may have been like a 3.3 for me uh, and said it's a 3.2, uh, which I believe is uh, I, I almost had it where you do have it, Mike, at a 3.3. Yeah, I was to say
2: 3.3. That's a great idea. I think I'll do that. Yeah, I, I completely co that I was surprised with how much I like this episode I loved the flashbacks. I mean, I might wager to say that these might be my favorite flashbacks of the season so far and just how much richness it brought into Kate's character and finally answering the freaking questions we've been waiting from for so long. I thought the lock and Echo stuff with the film was a great way to sort of bring those two characters together and have us get to know Echo a bit more, even if the film itself is not as groundbreaking as we may think. I think outside of that, the the horse, while fun to laugh at, is very stupid. Sawyer possibly getting possessed with Wayne is very, very stupid. Kate's on-island stuff is maybe one of the weakest parts of the episode, but there's a lot of good surrounding that. So that's sort of rose the ranks uh, you know i ended up liking it more than everybody hates hugo which i gave a 3.2 and i liked it a little bit less than ooh and found which i gave a 3.4 so i feel like 3.3 is that nice happy medium
1: yeah i think i like this about as much as i liked everybody hates hugo which is i, I gave that a 3.2 as well uh so i give this a 3.2 you give a 3.3 audience average on this one is a 3.1 uh, we're in the same ballpark yeah so we're right we're just hunting the same stuff uh let's see how how low did it get I see a, a 2.3 in there. Uh, that's as low as I got. Someone gave it a 4.1. Really liked what Kate did. Uh, so uh, good good for that person. Uh, but for the most part, I think we're all in like, sort of like this early-ish three range. Uh, so it seems like we're all kind of on message for that. It averages out uh, between the audience score, your score, and my score to a, a, a solid 3.3, uh, which puts it just above Everybody Hates Hugo and just below Ooh and Found. Uh, so the current ranking of season two is Man of Science, Man of Faith, in First Position, Orientation, The Other 48 Days, Collision, Ooh, and Found, What Kate Did, Everybody Hates Hugo, Abandoned, and Adrift. Next week, Mike, we are getting into the 23rd Psalm, which I imagine is going to crack the top four, if not a little bit higher. That would be my bet for the very first Mr. Echo flashback.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Echo stuff is incredibly strong and incredibly interesting. Certainly not something we would have expected from the character as brooding and quiet as he may have been through the first part of the season. Some more lock and Echo stuff. I will say I remember the Claire and Charlie stuff not being amazing, but we'll see. I can imagine that the Echo stuff more than outweighs it.
1: Right. It's going to be the beginning of the the Charlie major fall from Grace Storyline, uh, and you know we don't love that so much in terms of how it plays out. But I think in a vacuum, how it plays out in the twenty-third Psalm, I think it's actually decent. Um, so we'll get into it. We'll talk about that. We'll get into all of that stuff for sure. That podcast is going to be dropping in your feed April third. Uh, we will be recording it April second. So now you've got some extra time to get your feedback in. Uh, try to get that to us by end of day April first. Uh, That is not April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day, if you have not heard yet, has been canceled this year. Uh, We are not doing April Fool's Day. Do not
2: play pranks, people. I
1: swear to God. Anyone who plays an April Fool's prank on us, you're instantly... uh, You're an LVP. Yeah, you're kicked out of the hatch. (laughs) You gotta go. Uh, This is not the year for April Fool's chicanery. Cut it out. Uh, all right. So the twenty third psalm coming up next. Get your feedback for that down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com. dot com. You can tweet at us as well at postshowrecaps at round Howard, at a Mike Bloom type. Subscribe if you have not done so already to the Down the Hatch feed wherever you get your podcasts. Your ratings and reviews. Greatly appreciated. Uh Busy times here on Post Show Recaps. We just wrapped up our coverage of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Walking Dead coverage is starting to wrap up pretty soon. At, in fact, a little bit sooner than expected due to uh, some post-production problems on the show. They will not be airing the finale as planned. That is being delayed. Jessica, Lee and I will have our next podcast coming up. I think we've got two more uh still for you for this season, at least in the next couple of weeks. I know, Mike, you and Jess are wrapping up Star Trek Picard right now. That finale just aired.
2: Yeah, just aired, so we'll be doing a wrap-up there. Maybe we'll be doing something afterwards, I'm not entirely sure, because the rest of Star Trek for the year is sort of in flux right now, so if, if you want to, you know, savor the spaciness... Of it all, I thought it was an absolutely beautiful finale, so we'll be sure to to get into all that. Josh, I know that your Better Call Saul yes. is still uh, chugging along as yes. well.
1: As we're recording this, a little bit of a delay on the Better Call Saul podcast we were supposed to record last night, uh due to to my scheduling we had to we had to change that, uh which seems weird, like how could you have scheduling issues in a time like this? Well, uh, they exist still. Uh, so it's completely my fault that that podcast is delayed, but we will get it out to you. Antonio Mazzaro and I will be back on the horn there. Uh, Joe Garfine and I were talking about Westworld. Uh, the season is still young on Westworld. We're having a really fun time talking about that. Uh, and we've got more podcasts coming up in the not mm-hmm. too distant future. Uh, if you, uh, how about this for a tease? You like them, uh, them Marvel movies?
2: You like? Uh, yeah. I prefer Samuel L. Jackson and Ghost Rider personally, but go on. Do you
1: like the Marvel movies? We referenced the Avengers Initiative earlier in this podcast. Do you like to talk about any of those Marvel movies out there? People listening to this, then subscribe to post show recaps. Keep an ear to the ground for something that may be dropping relatively soon. Going to have some fun stuff there. Uh, what did Josh do? You'll have to wait until next week to find out what Josh did. I hope um, that's the name of the podcast. It's not the name of the podcast. All <laughs> right. That's going to do it for us here on Down the Hatch until next time everybody. Take care. Goodbye.